I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Ray DLC is a horror code. Exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. Welcome back to another episode of Astro Radio Z. We're continuing our journey with Andy Milligan. We're going to be talking about the ghastly ones from 1968 and unfortunately Torture Dungeon from 1970. <laughs> Evan and Vaughn are both back, and uh, I'm not so sure they're as anxious as they were one episode prior, especially Mr. Evan. Evan, are you happy we're still doing this? Oh, this has been such a downturn. Uh, Milligan and co- Milligan in color is uh, is something to behold. I mean, it's so different than the previous ones that we talked about. It is so much worse. <laughs> and this really? isn't even the bottom of the barrel here. No. You better fucking pull those britches up, bud. Yep. All right. Well, I'm I'm definitely diving in. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Vaughn, how you doing today? I'm doing great. I can't wait to talk about these films. You know, I know we are we are hitting a crescendo with with Mr. Milligan. I'm not so sure you know what crescendo means. Shut up. <laughs> Maybe I know. We're hitting something. That's for fucking sure. We're hitting a we're hitting a speed bump. And the, and the great oeuvre that is. Mr. Andy Milligan. Yeah, Mr. Andy Milligan's whole career can be considered one giant speed bump, but we are definitely taking a downward slide tonight on the program. But let's uh, let's take a quick short break. And when we come back, we're going to dive right into the first movie of the evening, which is The Ghastly Ones. Only a movie that he made twice in his career. Yay!
into this house came the monsters of slaughter. With some of the most hideous tortures and heinous crimes ever shown on the motion picture screen. The ghastly ones. Mutilation in the sadistic story of human slaughter. Meet Colin, the mad brother who loves to eat meat. Live meat. Or Liz, whose sick need is only satisfied by the sadism of man. Any man. Or John, who learns the terror of the ultimate torture, but never lives to tell about it. The ghastly one. What is it? Not for the squeamish, but an experience so sensually exciting that it will be the stomach shocker of your life. So the ghastly ones in 1968, Andy Milligan jumps into color filmmaking. And uh, Evan, would you like to tell the listeners of Astro Radio Z what the plot of the ghastly ones is? If you if you can. sir. Oh, I can. I can do this one. I can't do the other one, but I can do this one. <laughs> um, this is, um, I guess, uh, according to form Milligan form, we have a uh, family that's being reunited for the purposes of some kind of dispense of a will. So we have William and Veronica. So it's the three daughters, Victoria, Richard and Victoria. I, I quite honestly, I'm surprised you even knew all their names. I, I, did, yeah. I don't know a single character's name. I in just, this entire movie <laughs> in my head. It's, it's, it's happy sister. Number one, happy sister. Number two, happy sister. Number three. I don't remember their names. Well, the to only, me, it's dumb asshole. Number one, dumb asshole. Number two, and dumb asshole. Number three. The Continue. only, the only whoa, important whoa. one is really uh, Victoria because she's the eldest and she has yeah. there's a little bit of a plot point where she kind of wants to have it she all gets, she wants she to gets pissed about that I was I love how I love how it is so real quick the one thing with this film is that they're all really lovey-dovey kind of people like with their husbands and everything like that they love being around them it's so it's actually yeah. it's actually nice because I'm like oh I don't expect this from him I expect I expect the men to be homo like uh, closet gay men who hate their wives and their wives hate them because it's like we're just married for convenience huh? like the older films are Right. Yeah, the beginning of this film definitely. They all are very uh, happy to see one another. They're laughing. That everything looks healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they get all they all get summoned by um, some old decrepit lawyer named H. H. Dobbs, and uh, <laughs> he he wants them to come to the 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 father's house. Who the father's passed away. Um, it's an on, it's on an island. And in the beginning of this movie, you see a couple of strangers. They're they're not anybody that we need to know, but they're it's a it's a couple, love a, a young couple in love, and they're exploring this island. And uh, we 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 open the movie with a with a murder. We see we see them uh, get murdered by some bumpkin. <laughs> so, um, some dude that shows up in typical Milligan fashion chops off his hands. Yes, it's hands chopping off immediately because Milligan only had 
hands to be able to chop <laughs> off so every one of these fucking uh, movies some some poor son of a bitch gets their hands chopped off so yeah yeah it. he hadn't got the pile of entrails yet to work with i guess <laughs> at this point but yeah so they're they're summoned to the house um and um and the 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 plot is basically that they all have to stay in this house for three nights in sexual harmony I think is that what you thought? Is that what he said? Uh, yeah, mar- marital bliss. They have to stay in this house for three days. Um, after which the lawyer's going to show up, open a chest, and uh, dispense with the will according to whatever the you know whatever the will is. And uh, in this house live um, some servants named Hattie, Martha, and Colin. And Colin is like. <clears throat> This uh, deranged idiot who, uh, you know, eats live rabbits and uh, apparently kills strangers. Uh, Which is an ongoing thing with Milligan, too, to have a have some kind of guy with like a mental disorder in the film from now until the very end of his um, (laughs) working uh, relationship with film. Yep. Yeah. Also, yeah. the fact that he's Quasimodo, which going forward, every one of his movies, like the hands that get chopped off, has to have somebody that's a fucking Quasimodo. Yeah. So basically, uh, <laughs> they, they they arrive in this this house and everything's nice and uh, like you say, kind of lovey dovey. They get together for dinner, um, and then people start getting murdered one by one, and we're to wonder who is the culprit. I think that, da, da, da. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm not uh, good at at podcasts. So I don't know how slowly or no, <laughs> quickly want to re- reveal. You're doing that. just as well as Andy would do, and he was not that well with f- filmmaking. So you're... <laughs> I, I did, I, I did take some notes about this movie. I'm, I'm really interested to see what you guys called from this movie because there's some weird things in here. So, what are some of the observances you, uh, you had, Evan? What did you, what did you think was weird? So the first time that I watched this, I noticed right away that when Richard and Victoria are are summoned from Philly to New York, this is all taking place, I think, around 1920, something like that, or maybe late 1800s. Sure. Um, they uh, they they don't have enough money to go, so so Richard has to borrow money from his brother Walter, <laughs> and they mention this guy's name like 20 times while the, in that scene. And I'm like, why do they, why are they saying Walter, Walter over and over and over again? They definitely have a point to make. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we want to remember the name Walter. And this is the first instance, which I think I'm seeing a pattern of incidental incest, like incest that makes no difference to the movie, but it is in there because Milligan needs to put it in there for some reason. Yep. So there's, there's, de- there's an intimation that Richard, and his brother have had incestual relations in the past. It's it's like Andy Milligan grew up like as an only child and didn't know any idea of how like brothers and sisters reacted with each other. Yeah, like, he just thought they fucked each other constantly. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Uh, apparently, maybe maybe that was just the, the way he was like dealing with the people around him. Maybe they were maybe some people were related to each other. I don't know. First cousins, third cousins. Who the fuck knows? But it just always feels like that with his films. Where it's like, oh yeah. My these two brothers, they're not gonna be pals. Like even though like you, you see the, the the couple, they're all like, Oh, how you doing, loving blah blah blah. And they're all in love with each other and all, you know, gay as can be. And then he meets his brother and it just feels like they're doing a drug deal to get the money for it. And it's like, what the fuck's going on? 
Like, it's like he's definitely he's definitely like stuck something in an orifice where it shouldn't have been while they were in the bathtub together when they were little kids. Like, okay, eh. but it's but it's not leveraged for any. Thing. No, <laughs> no, it's there no. for pure shock and exploitation value. That's, yeah. I mean, half of the stuff, the plot points, and the weird side diversions that Milligan puts in each of these movies are strictly there for exploitation purposes. Mm-hmm. There's no other reason you would just incidentally toss incest in there to a, a fairly <laughs> ho hum kind of murder thriller, like a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what the ghastly ones is. It's your typical, you know, everybody's going to a place. And they have to stay for a certain amount of time. And then one by one, 10 little Indians, people are starting to get killed. And we got to figure out who's fucking doing this stuff. Yeah. it's it, it, There's nothing special about it except for the stupid, weird, off the wall, out of left field things that Milligan tosses into this right. movie. Some of the some of the things that pop up other than the incidental, you know, incest. Uh, the, the person that reads the will to the sisters why is he basically look like why does he look like the ghost of christmas well, past well they say it the all the freaking husbands say it when they all get the damn letter that this guy is older than dirt when they were all because one of the one of the husbands is a lawyer and he remembers hearing about this guy when he was in law school when he and he's like this guy must be older than dirt and like so it's like oh we oh we're gonna keep bringing this up like, all the husbands are gonna bring up how old this guy is so when we finally meet him you know even though he's probably like a 20 year old dude we're going to put him in the most fucking fake, like, like wax and like chalk and whatever the hell else crap we can jam on his face <laughs> to make him look like he's nine million years old. Even though when he walks in the room, he is probably the most upright dude out of all of them. <laughs> yep. I love the like, close up with the hair coming out of his nose. Yeah. <laughs> You should you you could he can he can twirl that and make it a mustache. How much hair he's got going on his nose? It's so discombobulating because you're watching this and it's a fairly straightforward kind of movie. Yeah. I mean, the camera works a way a way step down from the last couple movies that we watched. I yeah. mean, it's just set the camera up and just film until the final act where things actually start to happen. Because the first right. three quarters of this movie, nothing fucking happens. Well, and a bunch of talking and walking around a fucking house. Yeah, like I was, I was watching this a couple weeks ago, and I actually, I actually tagged you, Derek, in the picture I put on Instagram. Um, I was watching it on my computer, and all of a sudden, the scene where you know when the killer is killing one of the husbands, you know, she stabs him in the throat with the with the pitchfork, which is a cool looking scene when you see yeah. it. And as he's she's ripping out his guts, whoever's holding the camera lets it go, and it does a topple. And pretty much lands right in front of the person who is handing the killer the guts for a <laughs> quick, like for not even a second, for like five, six seconds, you could see the person like he didn't even cut it out and it cuts right to the next scene. So I had the screenshot it and put it on Instagram. And I was like, I was like, this is the best thing ever. This is one of the reasons why I love this movie. It's like it's like he didn't even he, he went through the edit of this film and said, oh, fuck it. I can't I can't cut it that thin. I don't want to lose some of the pieces that are in here. I can't cut it. I can't cut it. And it it goes right to the next scene. It's like, what the fuck? And you know, he edited all his own films. He didn't have oh, people yeah. look at it. And he's like, he said, oh, this, this is fine. No one's going to notice it. It's, gonna, it's, too, it's so fast. No one's going to notice it. No, you notice it. You see the guy standing there, like sitting on the ground, trying to push 10 shit to her. It was probably him himself. Like, fuck, here, take, take goose livers. Go take, fuck, get ah. Like, and it's like, oh, that's just beautiful. And when I, because I was like, oh, this is slow as shit. And then that happens. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm in love again with it. I'm, I, lo- I know why I love this film. It's so, <laughs> it's so stupid. Well, there's <laughs> so many scenes where you can hear Milligan 
Oh yes, actually directing. Muffling, yes. You can hear muffled arguing and screaming at people. Do it better, faster. Come on, come on. Or giving them their lines, like feeding lines. You can hear him feeding lines. But the great thing I like about this is when the film starts, when we get introduced all the characters, we get automatically. This is where all we get the nudity. Every every main actress in the film in the film when we get introduced to every one of these women are all topless. It's like, oh, thank you, movie. Like, all right, this is a great way to start the film. Let's get all these beautiful looking women topless discussing how old this lawyer is with their husbands. Um, and then, you know, trying to figure out one trying to fi- and they're on an island, which is Staten Island or Long Island, because yep. the guy only shot, even though he made it look like, uh, you know, everything else. No, you know, shot in two different houses. I think this is even the same fucking house from the last movie we did. It is. It's a it's a place that he found and he filmed uh, quite a number of movies at this place. Because that staircase looks like the same staircase. Yeah. And I think the killer, the killer, is the old woman from that film too. Yes. Spoilers. But yeah, spoilers yeah, for this movie act- from 1968. It's the same actress, right? Yes. All right. Yeah, she's in all of. She's in the other movie we're going to talk about too. Yeah, she's basically the mink stole of this troupe. She's in <laughs> just about everything that Milligan ever did. But if you watch this, like when at the big so so in in this film, sorry, I mean, I'll, I'll go through it. They, people start getting killed off. Blah 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 blah. You have the one sister who is really power hungry and she wants all of the money. She doesn't think her sisters deserve any of it. The father is a piece of shit to begin with because he just seems like he he had these kids with his mo- with their with their mother, but never went and visited them. Never like. Or if he was there, it was like once in a while. He was always roaming around, like, you know, c- collecting his wealth. Yeah, they say that he's only been there five times. Yeah. So three of them and produced daughters. And, and for some odd reason, they and they 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 love their father a ton. I don't get why they know oh, maybe because they never saw him. I mean, I probably love my father, too, if I never saw him. Um, <laughs> it's just like <laughs> interesting statement. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get. My, I'm gonna get a lot of my. Uh, I'm gonna get a lot of my uh, psychiatrist bills out through the, these movies <laughs> in the next couple months. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they're they're all like gung ho, and then when they go into the rooms, like the two other sisters are like, "Oh, lovely, love, love. Let me just get naked with you and lay in bed." Blah, blah. And and they're complaining about whatever is wrong with them. Like the one fan, the one couple who don't have enough money to get there. They're like, "Oh, this will help us out tons." And the other one's just so fucking lotty da. Like, like who gives a shit? We just close them and lock them in the room and then the all the older sister is like i want it all like and you're like ooh, red herring red herring but it doesn't it doesn't fucking work at all none of it know? does it doesn't go anywhere and, 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 and it, it builds up to be to the last act where I of like, course I, I the like final that. scene there's a switcheroo and a bunch know. of details that just are convenient for the let's, fact of wrapping the movie up let's let's light a retard on fire too you know a quintessential andy milligan thing to to take the the guy with the with the problem with the mental problem and light him on fire yeah yes and he and he's another red herring even though i think he you know yes. well he's the he murders somebody He's he's one of the murderers in this movie. Well, that's the biggest red herring right there, because the rest of the time that we see the killer, the killer's wearing some kind of bag over it over their head, um, and like and wearing like almost looks like male clothing, like men's clothing. So so it's giving off this kind of oh, I'm not a girl, I'm not a woman, no, 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 I'm not a woman. And when you get to the whole reveal of it's like okay, so sure before they get to the reveal, what about what did you guys think about that? Mm-hmm. That rape scene between the 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 couple that are real, you know, lovey dovey towards each other in the beginning, and then he rapes her for some reason. <laughs> for some reason, but she didn't. But she didn't really, it completely seem like she was like all against it. Like maybe at the start, but then when they started to get into it, she was like, 
oh, okay, I'll just I'll just lay here and just take it. And it's like, and maybe it's like a normal <laughs> Tuesday afternoon for them. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, I don't even know what to say to that. Is that. So does that make it okay that she just gives in? I mean, it's the 19, it's, thing. It's, the, it's the 1920s, you know, it's a, they got all those bodices and gussets and shit. People just lose their minds after a while and just rip clothes off and rape people. It seems like oh. in, in this world, I don't know. Milligan, Milligan had a, Milligan had a very weird kind of idea about what straight sex was all about anyway. Uh, like, you know what I mean? Like if you look at the other films we talked about, you have, you know, the scene where a woman is clearly looking at gay porno mags, yes. um, jerking off to them. And then every guy, for some odd reason, has like an extramarital affair with another guy in a film. And it's like, OK, that makes sense. It makes sense. I or guess. with his sister or sisters. Yeah, they're just like, ah, fuck it. Who cares? We had a thing when we were younger. I don't want to do it again. And she's so cock hungry for him that she, you know. <laughs> and it's like I this one's like this something. I I really do think yeah. that Milligan had a really horrible perception of what heterosex was all about. Yeah, because it, this movie isn't as bad as um, Seeds from last week, where no. or le- not last week, last episode. <laughs> yeah, last where episode. everyone literally was fucking everyone. Didn't matter if you were family, if you weren't family, if you were an yeah. acquaintance, whatever it was. This one. Most of the characters are fairly straight ahead, and yeah. they aren't. They it, there's nothing really super subversive about the relationships that are going on, other than the one comment that you had made, Evan. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're fairly you know ho hum, straight married couples. They're there. They actually kind of show affection for each other. The first mm-hmm. like 20, 30 minutes of this movie is just setting up these characters and they're just all so boring they're all so boring there's nothing interesting about any of them another comment i have with what evan was saying is that the one couple that's like seems like the most happiest is the one who has like the most fucked up kink it seems like you know he's just inadvertently rapes her like it's like okay it's like i guess i guess that's how you keep a a man happy it's just let him take his will on you it's just well my 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 theory there was another i had a possible theory which was that that for some reason, when the lawyer talks about the the conditions of this uh, will, he does say they have to be in sexual harmony. So maybe <laughs> he is just trying to fulfill their part so that he... He, he took it to the extreme, like the he, end he, degree. It's like, oh, we're going to be sexual ha- congress right now. I don't care. Sexual harmony on the on, on the. <laughs> so, so part of what you're saying is part of the deal is... They had to fuck each of the three nights. That what? had to at least happen once. Why did yeah. they even say that if they didn't have to? <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't know. And and the the, the greatest the, the greatest thing about it is that the father was, you know, like I said, the father was this piece of shit who just came home to fuck and like like left. He came over. He came home two other times, pretty much to have like coffee, and then you know went back on his way because he was like, ah, I don't really want to do anything today. Well, let's have a nice meal. Well, I, I gotta go. And the other three times, the other three times, he's like, "All right, I'm here to do what I have to do. Let's go." And, oh, you bed me a daughter. Great, fuck. All right, I'll I'll be back in about four years. Like, Again, fuck? more guys just fuck whatever moves in these movies, and yeah. not to not, well, let's go ahead and spoil the the major twist of the of the movie. Yeah. Um, if you don't want to hear this twist, just skip ahead about thirty seconds and whatever. This is a warning. Thank you. Um, at the end, the the killer ends up being another sister out of nowhere that is pissed because these sisters were were made from an adulterous affair 
Yeah. So again, this dad is just planting seed all over the place. But like she lived with the family. Is that what I remember correctly? If I, if, if that's right, like she lived with the family as like a, as like a, because the father, because the father knew that the child was there. And like, I guess the, the retarded child was also maybe his too. Like, yes, his, I believe right, so. I, I got he, this. So, so right? yeah, Hattie, Hattie right. is the firstborn. Right. So, um, and her mother died in childbirth. Yeah. So the father resented her because of, the death of her mother. So then the father either remarried or had some other uh, relationship. That's where the other three sisters came from. Yeah. And so, and then the mother, and then the the mother mother, of the other two sisters was really shitty to the other, the other child, the the Hattie. Yeah. yeah, And she bought, she bought the, um, the other two servants, uh, Colin and Margaret and uh, raised them like Hattie's brothers and sister. That's yeah. what she says at the end. Yeah. But the, the other thing that I don't, I, it took me two watches to figure this out. I, I don't know if you guys, if you guys caught this, but mm-hmm. kind of like the inc- incidental incest, the place of Walter in this story is really weird. I don't understand why this is in there, but you remember in the beginning that Walter tells Richard, ah, stop by Tiffany's to pick up something. You know, because Walt, you know, he's kind of like this uh, collector of fine china and so forth. Right. So Richard has has that errand to go on when he goes to New York. And then in another part of the movie, like when they're all getting together for dinner, when they're first when they first get there, they say, oh, where's Richard? Oh, Richard's in the dining room talking to Hattie. Why? Why is he talking to Hattie? What does he have to do with the servant of a house that he's never been at? So you find out in the end when one of the husbands that's actually still alive goes down in the basement he finds a box and in the box is a piece of china and in the china is a is a message to my beloved hc from walter c so walter was in a relationship with hattie Oh, I I completely overlooked this. Now the now 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 yeah. when we're rating this movie, it's even gone higher for me because he actually fucking wrote a, an an ongoing storyline in the film that actually works. It's like holy shit! Like that's just that's just great because it's I didn't even recognize that. Maybe because the copy I have is like two tons of shit in a small pound in a small bag, but. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? I the nicer understand. copy does kind of clear this up, and it is better to look at, but. I don't know if it really like I caught that as well, Evan. And he was trying to lay the hit the, the seeds and the, lay the groundwork for the twist at the very end. But man, I, I bet you a reason Vaughn. Yeah. You didn't catch it mm-hmm. is because it takes 46 fucking minutes to get to the, to the second death of the movie. The movie starts off. Let's, let's talk about the whole reason to even watch this fucking gimmick okay. is the murder sequences of this movie. Yeah, I mean, it, the movie's called the ghastly ones, the trailer and the artwork, promotional artwork show garish and outlandish, you know, shots mm-hmm. and scenes of decapitations and guttings and pitchforkings and, and all this shit. Yeah, it is the pole of this fucking movie. The movie starts off as Evan had said with a death. Then we have to wait 46 fucking grueling minutes of all of this freaking ridiculous melodrama to get to the next death. 
and then another 10 minutes for a gutting. And then after that point, the movie finally kicks into a pretty damn fun fucking movie after that point. Let, let me but explain. The whole first part of it, oh, fuck, oh. you got to sit and sift through all this fucking nonsense. No, like he like he lulls you into like some kind of weird like like he just beats you down like uh like you'll like you're like in a like you're getting beat up in a bar fight and then all of a sudden at the end you get to see something really spectacular. That's what this is. You get that whole big and it's not that boring. I actually find after the first murder, all the kind of conversations that the couples are having, I think is they're cute. It gives you an idea of who these people really are, like kind of. Um, and then like he actually kind of he he writes actually good stuff, and the actors he actually has for it this time are actually kind of you know they actually are bubbly and fun and they're actually, they don't feel like, even though maybe he is screaming friggin' lines at them, it doesn't feel like they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They feel like real characters. That, if I understand what they are actually, the acting in this one's way above par compared to some of the other stuff we'll talk yeah, about. Yeah. Torture dungeon. Can't wait. Um, but yeah, I like how he starts with that weird, the weird, the weird kill. And then it goes into this lull and then he kind of beats you over the head with the next kill and then the next kill and then the next kill. And then you get all this kind of more melodrama because the, you know, every every one of these relationships has to have something fucked up with them. Either the one's too poor or one's too money hungry or the other one's too rapey, you know, and it's like, all right. And then we're going to really we're going to we're going to we're going to reveal that the person you think is the killer because you saw him blatantly kill somebody at the start of the film isn't the killer. And then we're going to give you this whole big like, what the fuck? Like out of the blue, like, oh, this this this, you know. This matronly looking woman that's that live, that works in the house. Oh, by the way, she's the one who's the killer, and she's their sister, and yada yada yada. It's like you know, I mean, there's some fun, there's some fun murders. That second time that someone gets their hand cut off on the uh, the older one of the uh, three people who live in the house gets her hand mm-hmm. cut, cut off. I thought was pretty good because you actually see like like it looks like they must have just pump, pushed a, like a, a a hose into her arm and just sprayed blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, yeah, I, 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 it comes to like this weird, like, like the train completely comes off the tracks by the end of the film, which yeah. is kind of a the typical for him. It either it starts with the train already off the tracks, or the train by the end of the film is completely off the tracks. It's killed everyone in the in, in all the cargo. You know, everyone's dead, and it's like, oh, okay, this is this is entertaining. I think he also set it up so that in the end, you know, the uh, the lawyer's on his way. We never know what was in the chest, but it's. Yeah. The only ones alive are now going to be implicated in all the deaths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they built it up. But for my buck, yeah. the whole reason I'm watching this gimmick is to see some fucking bloodshed. And you got to wait so long to get to it. Now, when it gets to it, as I said before, damn, this is a real fun fucking movie at the very end. Evan, what did you end up thinking once it finally got to some of the exploitation, the payoff, you know, the, the gore sequences and shit like this. They're all right. They're just not lit very well. <laughs> Nothing's lit very well. <laughs> it's called natural lighting, sir. I did kind of like the, that one gutting. When they, well, yeah. if we're going to talk about, you know, the reason why things look and sound and feel the way they do, this movie was shot for $13,000. $13,000 for a movie that was shot on film. That is insane. Mostly going straight towards processing of the film. The, I mean, the processing of the film is expensive. So, you know, everything else was so skimped upon Milligan, which is widely known, 
he he did he wore so many different hats while making these movies. He was the costume designer. He was obviously the cameraman. He was the guy who edited this stuff. He was blah 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 blah. So you can see where you know there were the shortcomings coming because it's a one man kind of band movie. You know, so you gotta. I guess you gotta you know suck it up and just accept the fact that yeah. People sound like they're three rooms away because he was having to probably just set a mic up and people just had to talk in a room and the gore, which I thought was actually compared to some of his other movies, especially the one we're going to talk about after this was actually fairly well done. Some of the the organs were real organs that he Mm -hmm. got. Um, So for an early era colored Andy Milligan movie, I actually kind of turned around on this one. The first time I saw it, I was not too hype on it. It was way too boring for me. It still is way too boring for me. The first 45 minutes of this movie. I, I, I'm glad you guys find some enjoyment in, in all the chitter chatter <laughs> and all this bullshit. But for me, it was just, I, I tune out after a while because the, it just shot so poorly and people just stand there and talk about stuff that really at the end of the day means nothing because I'm just yeah. waiting for these people to die anyways. So for the last act makes up for everything for me what, in this what movie. About the, what about the scoring of it though? That well, that's all like, stock music. I know it's terrible, but it's, but it was better <laughs> in seeds. I mean, there was some yeah. better music choices in seeds. Well, uh, this is the start of Andy Milligan head to toe uh, using stock music through everything. There's not a moment where there's nothing playing where it's just ambience. It is shitty stock music dictating every fucking thing that happens in this movie. Do you like that? No, I I think it misdirects. Like, you know, like it doesn't match sometimes. And it's, you know, like one of the husbands goes and he's searching around in the basement and the music is just this rising, you know, like this, um, it's causing all this tension and everything. And I'm thinking this is just badly matched. This is perfect because you know, he's going to get killed in two seconds. He's looking for crap. He's getting all nuts. And all of a sudden he gets hit in the throat with a pitchfork and his guts are ripped out. It's it's it I works perfectly. A few minutes. Should, Death Waltz or Mondo should put out these records. <laughs> one of them. It oversells everything, and that's the reason it's there is yeah. to give production value to something that has next to none. Because that's why would, it's there. What would you rather have? Nothing or like like he needed something to put on the background because if you like 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 Derek said, if you listen closely, like I was watching this with headphones on. Because it was like late at night and I didn't want to wake the wife up. And I was watching, and you can clearly hear like a muffled sound in the background during some of the quieter scenes when people are, and it's, and it's clearly him either like shooting direction at people or shooting lines at people. And it's like you need something in there sometimes to kind of hide that. And that's what he clearly did. He just was like, all right, I need to find some kind of music, some kind of cheap library music I can put in here, stuff that maybe he just stole. I don't even paid for it. Oh, I'm um, sure. I just kind of threw it in there. And it's because it's so like, it's not like modern music, or it's like people that can actually sue you. That's why these movies come out all the goddamn time in multiple packs and different releases and all this other shit. 
um, because it's like, oh wait, this movie's not. There's no. There's no. Uh, you know. There's no thing on it. Oh, just put it on some kind of weird multi pack or something like that in the background on one of the mul- many titles it fucking has. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can if you tell. Like I was, I'm listening, watching it that the the second time I watched it. And I'm like, what the fuck is that weird murmuring in the background? And I thought it was maybe just that it was like something fucked up with the film or something like that. Because I know he he always got you know the, the the last the last pieces or something like that. So like sometimes that stuff can be fucked up or like you've damaged film and stuff like that. Um, but no, it's it's clearly someone in the background shooting direction or shooting this or like you know kind of getting them to spit things out properly or like you know it's just. So when you have a song in there, even though it makes no fucking sense sometimes or it completely works in the wrong direction, it's like, oh, I have to I have to have something here because I might be he might even have been a little too loud in the one scene where they're like where there's actually murders happening when he's just fucking going ballistic. They have them like really react really over the top for it. Which yeah, kind of works for that. Well, he's not having anybody mix the sound on this movie. No, he's, I mean, that's, that's essentially what he's doing is he's, he's covering his tracks. Yeah. So, yeah, it's. It, it, completely overwrought soundtrack for completely overly roomy and awful fucking audio. The colors in this movie are garish. You had spoke Evan about how you were not excited (laughs) with him turning over to, to color. Do you think it was a major detriment to this film for it to be in color? Yeah. I mean, this would have looked probably similar to seeds, which I actually liked the way that looked. I mean, just the the tight spaces and and, you know, the the number of people in the shots and everything. It was it's a similar setup. So it probably would have looked almost similar. It would have looked almost identical. The only thing that would have been detrimental to having it in black and white is that amazing spray of blood against the wall. And that one that works very well. I agree. Yeah. The whole final climactic battle. Gory as fuck. I yeah. love it. Mm-hmm. He must this have movie's... loved the fact that that blood hit where it did. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, he wasn't doing a second take. Right. <laughs> no, and there was no absolutely not. If that was a turd, he would have been like, fuck, just cut. I'm like, fine. And then had to be like, oh, shit, this is just. Oh. And as he's putting a movie together, going, I don't even care about the guy being in the scene. Fucking look at this piece of shit. It just sucks now. You know, when, when, he, when he was probably so fucking elated that that scene was that scene came out so well that he was like, I don't like, wait, there's a guy. You can see a guy in one of the clips in one of the scenes. What? Where? No, <laughs> no, no. Look at this. Last, look how fucking awesome this is. Like, oh, this great. Is. Look at yeah. this. My he work. Those five frames of the fucker dropping the camera. and holding. <laughs> So um, the ghastly ones. Uh Let's go ahead and give her final thoughts on this bad boy, Vaughn. What do you, when you walk away, how does this stack up for you? Um, best movie ever? No, I think like I said, like I said, I think he's he's gonna he's going still going up for me. Um, you know, with seeds and with um the vapors. other vapors, I think it's still a high it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a you know seeds is like right here and it's just you know that's up just a teeny little bit of a mark higher. You know what I mean? And then you, you think when we this get one's to, better than seeds? Like it's it's kind of neck and neck, but because it's there's color and I think it, to be honest I think the acting is a lot better in this film than I think in the other film because the the, the main chick we had in the, the last film was so over the top and so like it was like it kind of got a little grating. With this everybody seems to be at the same level. They're all doing it 12. 
So it's like, oh, awesome! I can get I can get behind this. They're all just they're all ridiculous. It's great. So uh, even the guy who's playing, you know, the even the guy who's playing the handicap guy, he is even over the top, and he's supposed to be a guy who's the most subdued out of all of them. He's like his eyes are bulging out of his head, and his fucking fake teeth are falling out of his face. And he's just like, he looks like he's going to take a shit the whole time. Like he's holding <laughs> like a massive shit. And it's just like, oh, this is great. Like, awesome. You know? So I, I, I like that he's continuing this, this rampant insanity ongoing with the films that, that he's continuing to make. The, the next one, though, uh, is where I think the, uh, the, the plateau is hit. <laughs> this is the film that hits the plateau. And it, and it, it will sl- it'll start to slowly go downwards for a little bit. Yeah, for me, de- I definitely agree with you on that one, Evan. You seemed very down about <laughs> the movies tonight. How how does at the end of the day this one stack up for you? I would say this is like two out of five Milligans. Uh, oh, we're gonna do a Milligans rating uh, scale. Okay. Why not? Why not? I, I mean, how about how about two out of five Quasimodos? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um. I'm scared to give that rating because I don't know what's coming and I want to leave room underneath. So <laughs> maybe I'll say, maybe I'll say three, three Quasimodos out of five. Wow. That's really optimistic. I it mean, is. that's, a, that's a really decent score. I, it is. Three usually means I liked it. Um, yes. But I'm do not going like to do this. Ha- movie, I'm not going to do, do halves. I, I would say I do like it to a degree because it engaged me because I was trying to figure it out. Okay. Now, as we get into the next one, I will come to discover there might not be anything underneath. There might not be anything to figure out sometimes. So, but this one had me, you know, writing down notes, like what, what's Walter up to? Like, what does he have to do with it? You know, I'm not sure that matters. That much I think that's a good thing. He actually is engaging you. Yes. It, this, it worked. So, Oh, well, good. I'm glad to hear that. I was, I, I was thinking, you were really down about this one from our conversations off air. Um, Ghastly once the first time I saw it, I wasn't too into it. I, I think it was a little too slow for me. Most of the copies out there that we've watched through time since it's release on home video have not been good. <laughs> They've looked like doo-doo. <laughs> to be, you know, quite blatantly honest, they've looked yeah. horrible. Um, it, it it's finally looking better now. And the last time I watched it, I actually kind of appreciated it for what it was. It wasn't. It's not the most exciting movie, but the final act of this movie way makes up for everything you have to kind of slog through to get to it. So, if you want to see pro- perhaps one of the more gory films in his catalog. The ghastly ones is definitely for you. There's enough hand chopping, gutting, and other non-clear nonsense uh, for you to get into this one as a horror fan. So I will give it a reluctant thumbs up. It's it's still, compared to other horror movies, it's still, come on now, let's be fucking serious about this. Why? It's not the greatest thing on the face of the planet. Right. <laughs> it's, it's fun. It, it's fun. So... Uh, let's, let's take a short break here, folks. And then when we come back, get ready. Cause we're going to be talking about some serious fucking bullshit. We're going to be talking about torture dungeon from 1970. So stick around. This could scare you. I was being trained to be a, a, a 
warlock. I was being trained with witches that were in the, in the religion. The story about the digging, the hearing of the sounds from hell is very real. After Papa tells us to hold a knife and then he puts his big hand on, he puts you and pushes the eight into the neck, cuts it. You couldn't speak to the devil right away. You had to earn your right to speak to the devil. I listened to a tape recording. There were infants crying, children crying. If you, if you mess with the devil, he'll kill you, he'll kill your family. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed.
Fort Myers, Florida. That's Animal Farm with Kill Analog, brand new track from those Cretans. If you're a uh, cattle decapitation mark like I am, check out all of Animal Farm's releases over there on Bandcamp. All of it is uh, as good as that is. And uh, it's the Stillborn Goat metal portion of Astro Radio Z. And this week, I'm going to play a mix of some newer stuff, some other stuff uh, that I've been listening to that I thought you uh, perverts and miscreants would also enjoy. So uh, keep it going. From Montreal, Canada, here is Luger from their latest Hellraisers of the Waste. This is Scavenging the Ruins.
that not all Canadians are polite and decent. There's Luger, Sleaze Thrash, seems to be the only real accurate label to give those guys. And this week on The Goat, uh, we're just tossing out a few choice cuts from some underground bangers I've been listening to. So keeping it going with Beast Maker out of Fresno off EP3. This is Satan's Fire.
out of Fresno, Beast Maker, Satan's Fire off EP3. And one more this time out, and it's an older release from a still active band. We're going to end it with some serious blasphemy. Here's Black Jesus. This is off of 2014's Everything Black, Everything Dead. Here's Reek of Crucifixion. it for the goat this time out stoked though to announce that in may the goat has scored an exclusive sit down with the metal avenger himself john michael thor new album hammer of justice out in just a couple of weeks he's on tour now get out check him out and the goat's gonna have him on right here in a couple of weeks so until next time smoke grass hail satan and i'll see your mom's ass in the pit You are listening to Astro Radio Z.
1970, uh, uh, amongst a myriad of films that he was producing, I mean, each one of these years from like 67 through I think 74, he was churning out three movies each fucking year, it seemed like. And Torture Dungeon, compared to some of the other films that he was producing, which like the ghastly ones or the rats are coming. The werewolves are here or any number of his other movies all kind of had the same plot torture dungeon for some unknown reason brought him to medieval England. Just the place that you wanted a dude that was shooting in Staten Island (laughs) (laughs) to be, to be traveling with no budget. I believe uh, torture dungeon was shot for $15,000 with a bunch of non-actors, non-professional actors that he met on the streets and he brought them in as extras and uh, he made all of the costumes. These are people that are supposed to be, you know, royalty and peasants and all sorts of other stuff. And they do look like um, craft store rejects. It looks like <laughs> a high school production. That's what it looks it, like. It's it looks, it, yeah. <laughs> cheap as fuck. So torture dungeon. Here's I'll, I'll do the plot. Of yeah, this please. one, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I'm going to do a short and sweet. I believe I took this off of either imdb.com or wiki, and I'm going to go with it. In medieval England, a sadistic duke plots to kill off all the heirs to the throne of England so he can claim the title and crown for himself. This is as streamlined a plot synopsis as you could possibly find because, in typical um, fashion, Yep. He goes off the fucking rails with well, a bunch of just ridiculous fucking nonsense. Vaughn, what is some of the weird ass shit that happens in this movie? If you would well, like to say. Well, we start off with a beautiful what is his name? Susan Cassidy playing playing Heather, who's just frolicking through the the uh well, the cleanest field you could find in Staten Island, mostly naked and messing with her little boyfriend William. Her father sells her off to the Duke. Um, because pretty much I, I, and I don't remember, I don't, I don't understand why, but she's like, she's very hesitant about it. Cause she's like, well, do, William already asked me to marry him. And she's, he's like, well, yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I can't really stop this from happening. I've already sold you off. So yeah, you either, you either can say no, or you can, you can go or you can't go. You can go. You have no choice. And then she's like, okay, fine. I'll go. And then William comes to kind of because we're supposed to go out that night, like walking around, which is just another reason for him to get some get some tail off her because she's very willing. This is one thing. About and her tits are I, hanging out almost constantly. Yes. Great. It's just awesome. Like the dress he made deliberately was too small for her. So her tits just didn't fit in it. So it's like, she oh, has these humongous tits yeah. that are just constantly flopping out of this. Thing. Yes. Another, another reason why Milligan just didn't understand anything about like straight sexuality and straight people in general. He didn't even care about women. He was just like, whatever. She'll fit in it. But she's like 20 pounds heavier. Who cares? Get her in it. Just get her in it. I don't care if you butter in her. Get her in that fucking thing. And she's got a she's got a nice close scene with her father and they're yes. hanging out. And they're taking yes. it right there. I was like, what the fuck? Um you have yet, I think um what's the you have our our returning uh our returning actress uh Mar- Maggie Rogers shows up again as Margot the one eyed uh thing. Just, and, and that that's another like I think it's I like this actress. I like the fact that she pops up in a lot of his films in this time period because she doesn't look the same in every film. 
Even and she, she also kind of has gravitas, like the way she delivers her yeah. lines. Actually, she puts forth some sort of effort yeah. and she has charming character. Like the characters of William Heather are pretty much it just it's just like he met them like they were like, he's like, hey, you guys look cute together. Well, you guys want to make a movie? Uh, OK, sure. Here, read these pages and come meet me in Staten Island on Tuesday. Okay, and it's like he just met like a, a a guy who was really horny for a chick, and he and he just met this other chick on the street, and it's like, all right, you guys seem like you guys can work together, and William just seems like he's you know a typical guy who wants to get in her pants all the fucking time, which I think is hysterical because he does. He gets constantly just like, like, oh, you picked this for me. It's like a a weed. He pulls it out off the grass. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, I'll put it in my hair. It's like what the fuck, and like she pretty much you know he, she gets told off to him, and then you have the Duke who looks like Frank Zappa on crack. <laughs> um, you know, the same kind of mustache beard goatee style um he and is was a, that duke thomas from vapors yes, yes yeah. it was yeah, yeah. i was like because right. it looked very it looked very familiar I was like oh look at that yeah and he's very fey and very you know he's much a queen um who will stop at nothing to keep his lifestyle going um which means you know having a torture dungeon under his under the bottom of his castle or fort wherever the hell he is um a torture dungeon which is essentially a basement with some drapes lining around it to cover up the fact that just some house basement it's probably the same fucking house basement we saw in the last film it's just probably <laughs> like all right we're gonna clean all the boxes out of it this time i'm gonna put a couple of fashion and like safan on the all over the walls and we're gonna call it a dungeon all right okay all right ready 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 all right we're to shoot now okay okay Hands cut off now. It's like okay, and it's it's. I don't. I I don't. Out of all the films, and and Derek, we've talked about a couple of the films, and um, on my show, the Weirdo is one of those films where I don't particularly like. And this is, I think, below that actually. To be honest, wow. I I just. And the thing is, I like the goofiness of the film because everybody just feels you know. It just the people he knows who he brought back for this film really blow it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Their characters are so over the top. It's so goofy that you're just like. Okay, but then like the people he just kind of was like, hey, you want to be in a movie? They feel so lost in the film, you know? Well, I think some of the the reason they feel so lost is because there is no straight plot in this movie. It just meanders all over the fucking place. Yeah, it just it feels like he's he shot parts of it some days and then was like, all right, I don't need you guys anymore. And then shot a couple of things and was like, okay. And then like shot it all, put it all together and maybe like got some more, got some people together. Like it was like, oh, yeah, can can you hang out for like an hour? I, I, I'm I need you for this scene, but I don't know what I'm doing here. Read this paper right here. Just just read, read, read the lines that have your your character's name on them. Try to remember them. And you're going to go into the scene. That's what it feels like. He had days off in between the other two films he was shooting that year. And he was like, you know, hey, um, are you free like Tuesday or Wednesday? Can you come over? For, like, Can you come to where we're going to shoot this film for like two hours? But I don't know what I'm doing. Don't worry, I'll have everything written for you by the time you get there. And he just—it just feels like he's making that whole this whole film up on the spot. Like he didn't like like at least in the gassy ones, it feels like he he had the film written out. He had them all read it, and they all said okay. And maybe he changed things because that's kind of what I've, I've I've kind of come to know about him is that he would write stuff out or maybe write an outline of a film um, and give everybody an idea, and then maybe write the pages a day of like what they're going to say, but have like an overall idea of what the film is going to be about. With this film, he feels like, you know, okay, I have 
we'll have it. We'll do it like a crazy Duke and we'll do this and you can be the Duke and he's very torturous and he needs to keep his lifestyle. And then I'll find some girl who will fit in this, this dress I made yesterday. Um, and you don't mind looking like you're in a high school play, right? No big deal. Okay, sure. Fine. Um, and you, Maggie, we're just going to put shit all over your face and put you in a bed. Like, uh, like we're going to, we're going to cut the hair off a, off a monkey mask and we're going to put it on your head and just, you're going to look great. Don't worry about it. Just do fine. Just try to get your grandmother's clothing. Just, bring that in with you coming it's like it's just like what the fuck is going on and you know everybody was just like okay andy sure sure whatever you want yeah we'll come and help you out fine you're not paying us i mean we might get a meal out of this but whatever that's cool we want to be another picture for you and everybody who's and they're all giving it they're all yeah they all look like they're having a lot of fun yeah but it just feels like it's the slapdash and being shot like pretty much by the seat of his pants you know, he doesn't really know what like that whole opening sequence with the with the kid with the kid. I'm like, where's this going? And then like the father's like pretty much, oh, you're going to this Duke. I I I I need the you know, I couldn't sell the cow, so I sold you. It's like, what the fuck? Okay. Um and then the whole Duke star thing pops in, you're like, wait, where are we? Like, what the because well, it jumps forward in time in such a logical way yeah. where one one shot we're with uh, the father and the daughter mm-hmm. with Heather and the next shot we're at some like yeah we're going through the fields which is I'm guessing months ahead in time or maybe even a year ahead in time we have no idea no concept maybe maybe it was the, the next Tuesday it just doesn't yeah there's no there's nothing going there's nothing where it's like all right it just feels like he's like he 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 uh he bit off more than he could chew with this film. You know what I mean? Like with so, everything else, because yeah. he because everything else he had, uh, he put it in modern time or like at least like with the ghastly ones, it's the 20s or something like that. But it feels like a film that was made in the 70s just with people wearing costumes. You know what I mean? They don't talk like people in the 20s. They talk like people no. in the 70s, you know? So you can kind of, and you can overlook that. You can watch that with a crowd and kind of giggle at it. This film, I've put people in front of this film like as like a twofer. Like I've shown people seeds and I've shown people this, and this is always the film where everybody kind of goes, okay, I got to go home. Like, yeah, like, you know, cause we're, you know, everybody's drinking. They're like, well, it's like 1230. I got to go home. I got work tomorrow. And it's like, wait, it's Sunday. Yeah. I got, I got work tomorrow. Like, okay, okay I'll see you later. And maybe I won't hear from these people like three or four days. <laughs> <laughs> and, I torture, and I, and I torture my friends. I, I make them watch some stupid shit. Um, and it's just, you know, this, this is what, you know, kicked them out. Like, this and like yeah, the R-rated version of a LA Zombie made people leave the house when I, we when I showed that to people. Um, <laughs> what a shock! What a what an the, absolute shock the, that in is. In the R-rated version, there's not a lot of sex in it. It's just the guy sitting in the donut shop for a longer period of time in that film. And you remember that scene? It's the best scene in the film. Um, and a lot of people. <laughs> Do you, you have, want me to go into the reasons why? <laughs> when you have ten people, when you have ten people hanging out in the living room. At like eleven thirty, like twelve o'clock at night, and this scene comes on, and everybody's like, "Oh, okay, I gotta go home." And the whole, um, no, a good ten part of the room clears, and I'm like, "All right, yeah." And I look at the two, the two of my two friends who are still here. I'm like, "All right, we can watch something else. What do you want to watch?" Like, I just want to clear the stragglers, get fucking get everybody out of here. They just couldn't deal with it. It's great, but this is the film that this is the film where I'm like, I think you guys should check this out. He's a really good, you know, he's a real fun, real off the wall, and some people get into it. And it just starts to lull. It takes forever. And like the one thing I don't like about this film is that it just never kept my um, my concentration. 
Nope. Every one of his films always keeps my country, even the weirdo. And I don't, and I'm not a big fan of that film. It keeps my concentration. It keeps me glued on the screen with this film. The two times I watched it because we kind of kept pushing things back and pushing things back. Um, I watched both times. I, I, and I don't put my phone in the room when I'm watching TV, when I'm watching a movie, I make sure it's in another room. I, I went to the bathroom I, and I came back and I went and found my phone. I paused it, went and found my phone. <laughs> I'm sitting, I put I put it back on and I'm like oh fuck that I started checking I started checking freaking Instagram and shit like that and I was like there's, there's a there's a menage a trois scene with Quasimodo yeah that didn't that didn't help me at all like <laughs> it's just like like I was just like what the fuck like so Evan what do you because I I'm kind of been steamrolling through this so what do you feel how do you feel about this film I I didn't I don't have as many notes on this film but. Um, <laughs> Because uh, you were probably asleep. I have, you know, like the wigs. Oh God, the wigs, you know, and uh, you know, like in this movie, you have the uh, incidental incest as well in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, um, there's incidental incest in this. Makes no difference. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, the Duke, the evil Duke's brother, and uh, and his sister. Yeah. She's gonna have his baby, and you'd think that if this is a movie all about heirs to the throne, that that would play into the thing that really, you know, after all of this Duke's machinations that, Oh, it's going to be her son. That's going to inherit or something. No, she gets killed too. It doesn't matter that they banged. Well, Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a whole side plot where Heather is supposed to, you know, the, the peasant daughter is supposed to marry Albert this complete idiot and they're about to consummate the marriage and Albert, all he wants to do is jerk off in the bed next to her <laughs> and mm-hmm. while she's there and she's a beautiful woman. Yeah, yep. she is definitely a beautiful woman. And this guy's sucking his thumb, jerking off the entire time and they have to sit and try and goad him into having sex with yeah. her, which just plain doesn't happen. And then what happens? Nothing. It goes fucking nowhere. Yeah. They put a stake through his heart. Yeah. <laughs> one of the many characters that's just like come and go in this movie no reason for it okay well we had that scene i will say that this movie has a lot more attempts at humor um he's got a lot of he's trying to be he's got a lot of uh you know goofy jokes in there like the you know like the the people sitting around trying to plan everybody's future they they're all named yeah. peter or something yeah peter yeah. Peter, Peter, and you know, he's got weird jokes like that. that. Milligan, Milligan, straight fucking riffing in this film. He's just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get him good. They're gonna laugh. They're gonna be laughing in the in the in the, in the aisles with this picture. Oh, he's when definitely most, taking the piss out of old medieval kind of like dramas. This yeah, movie like is not like, supposed to be taken seriously. Right, well, right. It's like if Shakespeare had a heroin, uh, you know, habit. You know what I mean? That's what it feels like with this film. It's just like, what the fuck. It's like, yeah, it's a guy who like who went to who. Oh, I'm I'm in part of the theater. Yeah, but you're part of like avant garde, like you know, experimental theater. You're not part of like the fucking theater down the street. You know what I mean? And that's what it feels like with this film. It's like, oh, I I can do what they're doing. Fuck it, I I can do what they're doing. And it's like, can anyone? Can you guys speak in an Elizabethan style accent? No. All right, just read these lines. I don't care. Yeah, Whatever. exactly. There's no hiding the fact and the guy of where this was made. Yeah, and the guy Albert. I like I said before. Like I said, like he looked like Frank Zappa, but then I'm looking at pictures from the film. He looks more like the guy from Thin Lizzy sometimes too, with the fucking fro and everything like that. And I'm like, <laughs> holy shit! And like I, I think there's a Blu-ray of this film, right? Out mm-hmm. or no? Yes. Um, I have an old 
VHS rip of it. And it looks like the colors look weird already because it's like, like I said, it looks like a high school production. So all the costumes are, you know, reds and blues and purples. And um, but when you watch it on an old VHS rip, when the colors fucked up, it just looks like like, you know, when you, you fuck with your tint on your TV, it's just like, I'm like, oh, this is even weirder than I'm supposed to expect. And I, I know it's not supposed to look like this, but I, I this is, you know, that's what kept me a, a little more bemused with it. And, and, but I was like, I, I can't take this anymore. Like, I have to, I, oh, wait, I'll pause. I got to go to get something to eat. I'll go downstairs, grab my phone with a sandwich, and I'm like eating like an idiot, watching this, this fucking horrible movie. I'll, t- I'll <laughs> tell you what made me laugh the hardest. What? When they, when the, uh, a couple of the women in the movie are showing Heather the torture dungeon yeah. and they're showing, they're, they're showing all these poor souls, you know, strapped up. And she says, right. look at this one. He has no tongue, but he also has a knife in his head that they don't. Make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's legitimately a knife stuck right to his fucking head. Yeah. And the thing, the one thing I love about this is that it's definitely like, when was this? It was 70, it was 1970, right? When they yeah, made this yeah. film. Um, yes. And like you could definitely tell that there was like a big thing back then with like the Poe films and stuff like that. So there's a lot of films being done about England in a certain time period. And it seemed like he also kind of jumped on top of that. It was like, oh, yeah, I can make a film like that. Um, And it's like the fact that like all these people know about the torture dungeon. Like it's just like, you know, in the pit and the pendulum, it's not really something that's known. It's like, you know, it's supposed to be something hidden or like um, uh, like in the brother Baba's films and stuff like that, you know, like where it's like, um, where like the dungeon's hidden. It's like no one's supposed to know about the dungeon, but the guy who owns the house. Right. And then when people come across the dungeon, they get killed. That's what you kind of expect with this film. But no, everybody in the goddamn place knows about the dungeon. The you infamous know, torture dungeon. It's like, okay, so what's the big surprise about it? Oh, that he actually tortures people? Okay, no shit. No big big fucking deal. It's Why is, is it is the is the big surprise that the guy's a the guy's like an asexual deviant who doesn't particularly want to have sex with his new wife? Yes, well, he's not asexual. He is definitely hedonist. He's a trisexual. Yeah. He will try it with anyone. But he doesn't particularly want to try it again when he does it the first time. So he's already had sex probably with his sister, and now he's married to this woman. He's like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I'd rather fuck Quasimodo. Yeah, <laughs> he gives me more of a fun time. You know, yeah, just- Quasimodo <laughs> is a good fuck. He's not the dead <laughs> fuck that my wife is. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! This movie uh, going towards your, you know, what you were speaking towards about the really shitty versions of this movie that have been out uh, through the years. Uh, you watch the new one, which is an HD, and while it's crisp and vibrant, the colors because this movie is just so ridiculously garish with its color scheme that you start seeing how cheap this production is. I mean, there's rubber fruit on the casket. Yeah. There's, there's fucking one, oh. of the, one dude gets bit by a rubber snake. Yeah. <laughs> there's supposed yeah. to be, there's supposed to be a red candle and it's just a white candle with red construction paper wrapped around it. I mean, they didn't yeah. even have time to find a red candle. Nope. Yeah. There's a dude, the Duke kills one of the sisters with a dinner knife. I mean, yeah. it's just the cheapest fucking shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> like a dinner knife, like a dinner knife he took from home. Not even like, not even like something that would you would see in an old English like mansion or something like that, like in a castle, something like ornate and made. Like he actually had somebody construct it. No, it's a butter knife he probably just took from the diner down the street. 
You know what I mean? It's like, what the fuck, dude? Well, like, that's yeah, just- what you walk away from with this movie is that because there's really no plot to speak of other than, you know, the idea of this Duke trying to get whatever he can get and just his power hungry and sex hungry and all this shit. Yeah. Um, there's nothing for you to really grab onto while watching this. So you start noticing how fucking cheap this movie is mm-hmm. and you drift off looking at your phone, doing whatever the fuck. This yeah. movie is an hour and a half of nothing, of absolute <laughs> fucking nothing. My <laughs> last note was, what a shitty movie. <laughs> it's, it's the truth. I mean, yeah. the funny thing is, is that this is just as nuts and bonkers as Seeds was. Like, yeah. there is some really bonkers fucking shit in this movie. But it is so fucking incompetently made mm-hmm. that it's hard to even give one fuck about anything that's happening in this movie. I am firmly in the Vaughn camp. This is a movie that he shot on weekends or whenever he shot this thing, he shot this with whoever was available and they made this shit up as they went along. It is clear Mm -hmm. that that's what fucking happened with this movie. Easily one of the worst movies in his catalog. Mm -hmm. There's even with some of the ridiculous dialogue and there's a ton of it in this movie yeah yeah like the, the famous trisexual line i'm not a homosexual i'm not a bisexual i'm not an asexual i'm a trisexual and yes i will try anything for pleasure yeah. what a great fucking line that is uh-huh. then you gotta wait then nothing happens there's no sex that even happens i mean we're talking about he's he's talking to his wife who's a beautiful woman and he wants to have a threesome with a fucking Quasimodo dude that's like 5'3". <laughs> this sequence is like in the middle. It's about an hour into this movie. And you're you're like, where the fuck did he come up with this? <laughs> but it, it ties into nothing. Nope. So, I mean, if you want to watch something that just goes off the fucking rails and makes no sense, then I guess watch torture dungeon but don't watch it for something that if you actually are looking for a good plot or you're looking for something that decent to fucking watch this is a pile of fucking horse shit Vaughn this is do you think this is your least favorite Milligan movie yeah I'm gonna say it now it's if I if I had to conjure it up yeah this is the least favorite this is the down to the very bottom you know and I know and I know we're gonna get to like we're gonna probably do like the we're gonna do bloodthirsty butchers probably next time um, I think that's much more entertaining. Um, but yeah, it's it's this is where it starts to go down. But like it, like I said, it it only dips slightly. Like the next four films, it's like a weird kind of roller coaster for me. Anyway, I like hate, like hate. You know, I don't know. I, I kind of I'm kind of in the middle about the next four films that he makes. Um, especially when we especially up to when we get to Nightbirds, which I think is a huge like brings everything back up again. Um, but. I, I, yeah, I think it's a piece of shit. That's <laughs> <laughs> putting it lightly. I I agree with you. It, it does, and it's again a black and white movie that brings Milligan back to having this, something this worthwhile to a, say. This would have been fun as a black and white film because even the violence isn't that crazy. Nope. That's in there. It would have been much more fun as a black and white film, even if he was able to get the right lighting for it and do it like a stark black and white film. Yes. I think it would have looked really cool. But because he's so gung ho about doing color. Maybe because he has like a you know he has a producer who's willing to is able to get him money 
to buy him color f- film instead of, you know, oh, I'm getting more money, so I'm going to splurge and, f- and make this in color. And it's like, fuck, no, dude, no. Go back to black and white. It's a much more interesting look, especially with this film. I mean, it wouldn't have, sh- it have, showed, all- it wouldn't have showed off the kind of high school production that most of the costumes were. Ugh, just terrible. A movie called Torture Dungeon, where there's only one scene of a dungeon, and it's mostly a bunch of fucking jackasses tied up with some fucking latex slapped on them and a, and a fucking rubber knife in their head. It's yeah. such fucking nonsense. Evan, where do you come out on this fucking gimmick? Exquisite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I jest. Uh, I'm going to say one out of... Uh, five quasimodos for this one this is what i this is why i left room in the last one <laughs> this is terrible <laughs> one of the things that uh i guess what speaks volumes is the fact that we didn't spoil this movie and we didn't even feel the pressure to spoil this movie we didn't even talk about what happens in it and honestly i don't even really remember i don't no. think any and of us do and that's it's what's a, terrible a lot of it's just a lot of arguing <laughs> and uh, one poor girl being forced to live with an asshole um, who was better off just living with the dummy that lived down the street from her house. Like, it's like, it's like, really? I, I understand because it's, it's all in like, you know, fucking Elizabethan times and shit where it's like, you know, things were hard and you had to, yeah. you had to give up things to kind of live your life. But it's like, no, <laughs> like for- well, that, that was one strike against it. I don't like movies set in this time period for, to begin with. Yeah, it just doesn't make um, it. It's just so it was already starting out bad for me. And then as far as like what I said about the last movie, you know, the last the, and ghastly ones, yeah. you know, there was at least something to try to figure out. And this one, I kind of got the idea that there is nothing to figure out. There's no reason why there was a, you know, a, a, a menage a trois with a Quasimodo. No. There's no reason again, why the, why there was an incestuous relationship brought up in conversation. Yeah. Um, it's just, this is where like, there's nothing to dig into. So nope. it's like- just a bunch of nonsense. I mean, yeah, there's some violence. I mean, the one guy gets uh pitchforked to uh again, again, pitchforked to, to a door. Yeah. And, uh, then it just we just move on. We mostly no weights given to anything in this fucking movie. So there's no reason to care about a single fucking thing that happens. If this is not my least favorite, but it's pretty close to the bottom. Like if all knows what my least favorite. I know. If I was like if I was a guy who was living in like in my age in the 70s, in 1970 when this film came out, I wouldn't have been upset being beaten up by a pimp in the bathroom of 42nd Street of a uh, theater while watching this movie because i think i would have had more of a better time getting beat up by that pimp than <laughs> fucking watching this piece of shit yeah do not if if there's a single release of this where it's just this movie don't spend a fucking red cent on this goddamn thing if it's like a double feature or something which i believe uh the blu-ray that's out is a double feature fine yeah fine fine <laughs> <laughs> buy it otherwise Fuck no! Do not spend <laughs> a goddamn cent on this thing. So uh, that's it for Torture Dungeon. There's really nothing else to talk about with this thing. It's a total pile of bullshit. Yeah. Um, let's take a quick break, and we're gonna wrap up this episode with a little talk about Compass Rose. Which, man, I'm gonna be flat out honest with you, I didn't watch. So we're going to I'm going to leave it up to Vaughn because I think he's the only one that was able to watch this thing. So we'll talk about that when we come back. (laughs) 
Call your local cable company to order your WCW merchandise. A purview. Somebody get the gun! Promotional consideration paid for by the following. One, two, three. All right, folks. This is that wrestling gimmick on the Astro Radio Z Network. I'm your host, Dustin Fish, and today I have Eric Woodard on the show. A man of many gimmicks, a true road dog with over 18 years in the business. Talking about travel, did you travel anyone with anyone in particular uh, when you were uh, heading to that first show? Do you remember offhand? Um, I think the first one I drove myself. Uh, that time I ended up later carpool with other people, but um, I had two cars at the time, and both of them were pieces of crap. <laughs> uh, old, had a, a '91. Uh, well, I can't. That, that the Dodge Dynasty actually did me really well. I. Uh, I, I guarantee there was over three hundred thousand on that when Holy I ended up shit, not man. driving it anymore. But yeah, but the uh, the odometer quit working at about two hundred eighty six thousand, I think. So I think we just falling to pieces. So it's definitely gotten uh, got gotten a little better. Oh yeah, for sure. As far as like a shoot job, I don't I don't really work a full time job anymore. But I I do work as a DJ a couple nights a week uh, during weekdays, and then on the weekend I'm pretty I'm on the road doing something almost. Pretty much every weekend, any weekend I want to. I mean, I, I do take some time off here and there if I got. Let's digress here. So, what was your gimmick back then? Uh, in the in the old days, the first days of Eric. Oh man, we started off, and um, it, we we're we we're on the way to you know in the in the coming day to my first match, and I really wanted to do something over the top. I didn't want to do anything reserved, even though the the funny thing is, like the style of wrestling I always liked. I was always a fan of like serious wrestlers. Um, you know, some of my favorite wrestlers of all time, like Luthez and guys like that, you know, and, and, and a lot of the, you know, the English wrestlers, you know, I was always a big fan of like Dynamite Kids and stuff like that. But, but I really wanted to get out of my comfort zone a little bit and do something over the top. So my first gimmick, I was Flash Dance Eric Summers. And it was, oh, it was, it was ridiculous. I mean, it, and it was supposed to be, and, and, but it was a lot of fun too. You know, it was the heel gimmick. Yeah. We, we had a lot of fun with that. So I, I did that for uh, for a couple of years actually, um, but at the time I wouldn't I wouldn't wrestle every weekend. I mean I was wrestling pretty much just for where I started. So we we'd go a month where we'd have three or four shows, and we may not have any shows for for a month or two. You know what I mean? It was very touch and go. Yeah, it was pretty easy going. It wasn't until I branched out and started working for other people that that I really started you know working most weekends and. And really, you know, putting the time on the road and stuff out outside of that initial group. Uh, let's talk about the current gimmicks. Uh, let's. Uh, I've seen you come up as in my newsfeed as a few different ones. Uh, do you care to elaborate on some of your characters and where they come from? Well, uh, the, the 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 main gimmick right now, of course, is fitness too. That's what we're doing. Um, I still do the Eric Fantabulous gimmick. I, I, I that was my main gimmick for a few years, and I still do that um, mostly just for. MWA and some of their towns okay. where I've done that gimmick over the years. Uh, I was trying to sell him on the fitness gimmick for a long time. He wasn't really buying it. The promoter wasn't buying oh, it for a long time. I was like, man, I'm doing it other places. I, I, I just um, I just want to tell people that this is the first time that I have saw you. You were doing the gimmick where you're you're paired with the Midnight Rose. You en- He enters the ring. He's smoking a cigarette. Uh, he has a shake weight that he carries with him. Everything... It, it works out beautifully, my friend. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. We we tend to get good feedback, and we're, we sell a lot of t-shirts. So, <laughs> and your style is very 
throwback to the old 50s and 60s style almost. I, I like it. It's really something to see. And, you know, you and Blade paired together is just magic. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And the funny thing is, like, we've had some really wild moments in front of the crowd in the ring and, and this and that. And some of the wildest moments happen on the road, is like, on the way to the show. Like, it's a nonstop party when him and I get together. And just, I mean, we have a lot of fun, but also a lot of business. He's great to talk to, and, and like I said, he's he's uh, he's brilliant. So some of the things and ideas that we're checking off, uh, not just for wrestling, but for some other projects that we're trying to branch into and and look at, uh, I, I couldn't ask for a better a better road dog. I mean, him and I are uh, like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. So. When did this happen? Where you guys clicked? When did it finally click? I know we, earlier in the episode you mentioned uh, that you guys had got together, but uh, let's kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Well, the I had actually met him and I at a at an indie show. They brought him in to be like the uh, commissioner, gimmick, or you know something something along that line, the president or commissioner. And um, when we started talking, and I realized, oh man, this is one of the co-hosts of the, the Wrestle crap gimmick, you know. So, which I was a big, uh-huh. I was a big fan of that site, and um, it's one of the you know earliest you know innovative pro wrestling podcasts. You know, the first it, real big one that blew up. You know, that was it, man. That that was, I mean, and that was way oh back. way back. I didn't even know what the hell a podcast was, um, and to this day, I mean, him, him and uh, RD both are are great minds for the, presenting their product uh, to people that tune in and listen. They definitely have a dedicated following, uh, which. I don't mind. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's, that's, that's helped me break into new markets. So I'm very, very appreciative. Of this it never hurts to have a good comedy gimmick that gets over. You know what I mean? The, right. You guys aren't cheesy about it. It's a tongue in cheek humor that you're a kick-ass worker in the ring and you got that old school kind of tough guy style about you. Right. Well, and I, I don't mind um, the, the way we, like we approach it, of course, and I don't mind, uh, making an ass of myself a little bit and having a little fun with it. I, I think that's a big part of yeah. what we're doing. Uh, but I also think that, um, like, like some of the modern comedy wrestling, I tried to avoid, like, the, um, and, and not disrespect what anybody right. else is doing. I think, you know, if you're making money, good for you. But, like, we don't, we don't do, uh, invisible hand grenades and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, right. We, we go out there with still, like, that old school smash mouth kind of wrestling. Um, yep, tough guy you know, style. I, I think, you know, I just I, I try to lend some uh, credibility to what we're doing and the the blows and slamming the people and and cranking their necks and their arms. You know, we we you know we try to present that in a way that 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 is a little brutal, but at the same time, um, you know, with the gimmicks being you know not so much in shape. Sometimes I need a little help. I need a little distraction from the time. Um, he needs us hand me the shake weight or crack it over someone's head. Um, and that's a legit deal. I mean, if you, if you get hit with a shake weight or 10 pound weight of any kind, 20 pound weight, it's going to knock you out. So uh, you I'm know. telling you, man, that thing is solid. I actually sent one to uh, blade. Uh, I believe it's your, sh- the shamrock shake weight uh, came from Madison, Wisconsin. Oh, that was yours. Yeah. That, that's one of my favorite ones that we've used. I, <laughs> I like the shamrock shake weight. Yeah. The dream Dude, one. that thing costs like 13 bucks to ship. <laughs> <laughs> And where did the shake weight come from? I mean, was that you? Was that Blade? Who came up with that? Uh, that was him. And well, the deal was like I said, I had done the uh, gimmick a little different before, kind of 
for the moment thing once. And so years later, uh, as after a pretty good run, I mean, I was averaging, it's fantabulous. I was doing between like 120, 130 days a year there for several years. Um, going to Texas and going, you know, from basically Texas to Illinois and Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas. And, you know, I was really busy, but um, I had some personal stuff going on. I tried to uh, get out of the business for a bit. And he was like, man, you got to do that fitness gimmick. You and me together, if we do that fitness gimmick, it's money. I, I, I wouldn't sold on it right away. I was like, man, I, I don't know, man. It's, it was just a joke, you know, this and that. He's like, no, 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 come on. We got to do this gimmick. We got to do this gimmick. Well, uh, I did I end up having a retirement match, loser league town match. I was going to hang it up for a while. Uh, but, but my phone kept calling, kept ringing. People wanted me to come out and work. And I was like, man, well, if I'm going to do it, I've, I've, re- I've retired that gimmick. I've got to do something different. So we got, uh, got to doing the fitness thing. Um, he introduced the idea of the shake weight. And it was a, uh, one of the gimmicks where we do it a, this really a handful of times a year because I, I considered myself kind of semi retired at the time. Just doing like charity shows and stuff like that, fundraisers that were in the area, um, stuff you know. And then after a few years of doing that, I, I really missed being on the road. I missed my, my boys and, and the business, and my family that I've made over the years, like you know, in these different states. And I said, "Fuck it, man. Let's let's turn it up. Let's take this thing back on the road and, and do it like it should be done." Um, so now the last few years, we've been really hitting the road again and, and just having a blast doing it. But I've got really him to thank. I mean, I, I said I came up with the initial gimmick, but if it wasn't for him pushing me back into it, um, I, I had no idea how over it could be. And, and it really is over everywhere we go. Uh, it's solid and it's very relatable. Well, yeah, that's. I think that's a big part of it, too. I think a good villain, a good heel, whether it's a movie or a book or, you know, has to feel justified. You know, right. I, I say that a lot. Yes. Like, I think the worst worst gimmicks in history were like the heel gimmicks in the uh, the Captain Planet cartoon back in the day. Like you'd have like polluting McPollute face and he polluted just because he likes polluting. You know, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> he was just bad for the sake of being bad. Right. No, a good villain has to just... feel like they're right. They got to feel like they're justified. Right. It's like they the the fans want to boo you, but it ends up being over. I mean, you sold more T-shirts, I think, at that MWA night than anybody. Oh, I mean, yeah, we it, can't keep them in stock. Um, the cool thing is, wherever we go as a heel, sometimes it takes a account uh, an appearance or two for the the, the for it to catch on to build. But the but the heat is instantaneous. Like we get heat, we get heat. We <laughs> they get heat. love to boo you. But, yeah, but normally after about two or three sh- times at any particular sh- uh, show, we will get about a, uh, on average, I'd say about a third of the crowd that blue collar, uh, working class, beer drinking section of the yep. crowd that's really that that doesn't matter how bad we are, how bad we've done some vile and nasty things <laughs> and that but that one section of the crowd will just cheer whatever we do it doesn't make a difference but we could we could pee on a homecoming queen they wouldn't care <laughs> they would cheer it they love it but it's just that but we still get a, a good amount of heat from a good section of the crowd as well so I think that adds to the dynamic Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Because that's what we want. We want rematches because this time, when we play the tune, it'll be loud and clear. You are listening to Astro Radio Z. Come in, damn it. You're sure a punctual bastard. 
Hey there, smut lovers. Balls deep in a dirty little addiction to movies where werewolves kidnap and rape women for Dracula? Or perhaps you're a kinky pink freak who loves to watch mad men and women tie up and punish unsuspecting suckers, pouring hot wax on their aching naked flesh and driving them around the living room like pretty little ponies? Wait, I know. You love nothing more than a sweet, topless self-flagellation session before the cross following oral indiscretions with a saucy, satanic sister, you secret nunsploitation fan. We cordially invite your sinful self to join our shameless selves for the podcast at Orgy Castle. Exercise all that salty deviance from your system with hosts Paula and Derek as they pick one smutty film a week to indulge in and discuss. The podcast at Orgy Castle is on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you can find podcasts. Go. Subscribe. Come as many times as you want. Nobody will know but you and your headphones. Hi. I'm Daniel, and this is The Bottom Rack. The Bottom Rack is bottom shit. <laughs> I'll figure it out. It's, I'm still working on this. It's a work in progress. My entire life is a work in progress. Hi, how are you? My name's Daniel. Well, oop, something fell. My name's Daniel. Well, my name's Daniel. <clears throat> but my friends call me Daniel as I'm away from the mic. So please, call me Daniel. How are you? I watch lower budget fare just because it's fun. And every now and then I stumble upon real gems or just things that I love. So sometimes I might not even be getting my films on the bottom rack. However, they could just as well be from. I watched one. Let's see. What's a good way to put this? All right. If there's certain things that I love in life and i don't know for about more than 10 years jesus god i don't know how long it's been going on anyway i love found footage i you've probably gathered by now i love the paranormal i love anything paranormal conspiracy theory anything occult oriented occult focused i just that's my jam that's my bag i love found footage flicks i don't care i can hear you laughing now Derek. (laughs) <laughs> I don't care. I love them. I love them all. Give it to me. Can't get enough. I am a found footage junkie. Ghost hunting shows. Oh my God. Give me all of it you got. Even more. I'll take it. So needless to say, I love ghost adventures. Well, the years have passed. And Zach Bagans, I remember, we all might have remembered. You know, it, I say we all. The royal we all. You might remember hearing about Zach Bagans bought this demon possessed house or whatever. He made a movie about that because he wrote a book about it called Demon House. (laughs) I know. Really went all out on the title. It's still cool, though. The cover art's awesome. And then he made a movie, which is basically just an hour and a half long episode of Ghost Adventures. But I digress. I will get into that. So I watched Demon House from Zach Bagans. Now, first and foremost, we'll go ahead and lament the fact for Ghost Hunter or Ghost Adventures aficionados. Poor Zach, Nick, and Aaron are no more. And for the longest time, like I loved the first four seasons. And I watched most in bits and pieces of like, actually, I watched all of five and six probably, but then just kind of tapered off or whatever. I haven't watched all that much anymore. The thing with me is it kind of got old because they stopped being afraid of it. 
and it really got older. Then, of course, you get the usual stuff going out that it was faked and staged, and it might be or it might not be. And and quite, it's the same with wrestling. And you know what? Honestly, I don't care at this. I really don't. I just want to watch my paranormal shows, or as a good friend of mine says, her dude bro ghost shows. I want to watch them, and I just want to tune life out. And I love this stuff. So anyway, Demon House comes out, and I was thrilled about it because I will give Zach Bagans one thing: the boy, or the boy, how old is he? I don't. He always seems like he's really young. But anyway, the man knows how to craft the documentary. I will give him that. So Demon House is his whatever document documentation of him buying that house it goes through it because i only read bits and pieces of it i saw like the stuff in the news or i think i even might have seen the headline on twitter or it might have even popped up in reddit I, and that's more than likely where i saw it was snooping through reddit one morning at work so he buys the house and in the documentary apparently there's like this you know evil house or whatever like super haunted house and he bought it immediately, sight unseen. And then apparently, like, all kinds of bad luck and production woes and things just followed him throughout the making of this documentary. How much of it was real and fake? Again, who knows? And because it's one of these shows, there's really not too much I can talk about to make it, int- <laughs> to make it intriguing or interesting. Uh, the synopsis, according to IMDb, is paranormal investigator Zach Bagans documents the most authenticated case of possession in American history. M- maybe so. I don't know. I'm still kind of spurious on that, but we'll look at the cover. I mean, the cover is rad. Let me just go ahead and say this cover will tickle your fancy if you're into any sorts of the dark arts or heavy metal. I, seriously, this thing could fit on a black metal cover. This thing could fit right on a stoner doom metal cover, like for a stoner doom metal band. This thing would fit on Black Sabbath. This thing would work in a Lord Acid cover. This thing would, what's the one band I like? The Bell Witch, love them. This would easily work on one of their album covers. Or it could just quite comfortably fit on a band like Absolute or someone like that. It's just it's so cool. Belfagor would love it. It's Demon House. It's really, I've seen the font before, but I can't remember the name. So actually, I may have to deduct a few points from that. Just the fact that even I can recognize the font. Flames in the background. It's just black and red. And you got a house. And then right down is the perspective and the horizon shows and as it comes down you see like this goat head underneath it says a film by zach bagans and at the bottom says view at your own risk the cover art wins it okay um we can go ahead well we'll get back to that so in this house apparently it's haunted and some bad things happen like cases of possession that seem to torment or plague certain people so we follow zach bagans as he goes through trying to piece together the mystery of this house while at the same time it seems dealing with stuff that just out of the blue seems to be happening with his own production company and you'll kind of catch that as he is talking to these other people just trying he does like i said it's like a really long extended episode of ghost adventures he talks to the various people who lived in the house tries to get interviews with some people some people won't even talk to him because he's been to the house they heard that he bought it and if you believe what's shown on the show some people won't like he'll talk to a relative of the people that live there well then the people that live there won't let that relative back in the house because they went to the house or they even spoke to zach bagans like they don't want anything to do with it uh 
the eyewitness accounts that it shows it like speaks to people and stuff so again you have it just it's with shows like this of course you have to suspend disbelief and just go at it and watch it did some of it was some of it staged yeah it was it was just not some of their at poor zach is not a good actor at all and some of the crew even worse and <laughs> that's saying something however there are other things in the film where you can't really just flat out prove it wrong or disprove it or you can't just come up and be like oh that was bullshit it didn't happen or so it's still it's even if it's all said and done and fake it was still based on a true story and you could read about it so i mean that's there it's that if this is again if this is your bag this is what you're gonna watch you're gonna watch it you're gonna love it have i seen better yes is there much more out there no this is like <laughs> if you're into this kind of stuff man unless you go to paranormalwarehouse.com this is it this is what you're gonna get wow i need a sponsor i might have to actually look into that that'd be pretty cool to actually get sponsored by them so let's jump to it demon house does it have zach nick and aaron no it's just got zach but i'm not gonna hold that against him things happen or whatnot i guess they had a falling out the cover demon house flames in the background we've got a house decrepit raggedy looking old house with a goat headed thing at the bottom does this movie have that <laughs> actually yeah it does even in the reenactments or like what they would call the b-roll footage somebody was dressed up in a hideous goat demon costume thing that it'll show and there are they actually give reference to that they mention something like a goat man looking thing in dreams and like in the shadows and stuff it's really cool so i have to say that yeah the film the what the the film delivers what the cover shows just maybe not in the way that you're thinking however if you have gotten this film chances are you know who zach bagans is you know what ghost adventures is so in all honesty the cover delivers more than what you're used to getting the show does not or the actual movie does not i've seen more action in season one my recommendation quite honestly is to watch the very first ghost adventures documentary the very first one that is still the best out of all of it but all of that aside just not even to be a hipster did i enjoy this one hell yeah i did will i watch it again nah i don't know maybe maybe not i love paranormal shows it's kind of like halloween music whatever you can put on like a full marathon of paranormal investigation shows and i'll just have it on in the background and do whatever you can have it on all the time 24 7 and i'm gonna love it but that's just me so if what i have said about this excites you then let me do watch it you've seen i've seen worse there is worse if anything you're gonna love what your imagination does and sometimes that's all you need so demon house the zach bagans documentary i mean quite honestly yeah watch it it was good and uh that's i i don't know if this would have been on the bottom shelf or not maybe maybe it would have i don't know i saw this on amazon prime and watched it so it is available on there if you are a prime member uh it's kind of stupid to say it's free but i mean if you are a prime subscriber you can watch this movie you can watch the movie <clears throat> if you're a prime subscriber you can watch this movie and not have to pay anything extra so it was good like i said if you like this kind of stuff you're gonna love it so that was demon house from zach bagans and i am daniel this is the daniel house from dan edenfield 
you can hear the tick tacking of the hauntedness of my home or my incredibly cute lovable dog Haley regardless this is the bottom rack I'm Daniel and I will holler at y'all later So, Vaughn, I did not watch this motherfucker because the YouTube, because it was a lost movie for a long, long time. I believe it was just kind of him filming one of his old plays, if I'm correct. Um, And like that. And say, there's like vignettes and stuff like that. So maybe it was a play that he just kind of because it, it it doesn't feel like his typical stuff. But yeah, no, not at all. And the version that's out there, which is like a work print version that's up on YouTube. Right. You can't understand probably 90 percent of what's going on because the sound is just so atrocious. Mm-hmm. I gave up. I, I watched like 20 minutes of it. And I'm like, I have no idea what anybody's saying yeah. whatsoever. So what did you get out of it? Evan, did you? watch this at all or attempt to watch this i only started it watched a couple minutes and it wasn't the time to watch a movie and then i thought that we had decided we weren't going to so i didn't even try yeah i mean vaughn what'd you get out of this thing um i get it's it's another yeah the, the copy that's on youtube is an old work print um that was given to uh milligan's biographer along with uh nightbirds and a couple other you know trays of films when Milligan, like he worked with Milligan, he worked on Monstrosity with Milligan and kind of re- wrote the book on him. And Milligan kind of gave him all this stuff, kind of as to hold on to after he died. He sold it off after he kind of finished the book and kind of just felt like he needed to cleanse. Um, Nicholas Wine and Refn ended up buying up all this, all the stuff that he had. That's how Nightbirds got released through the BFI because Refn was like, "Hey, I have one of those British, British Andy Milligan films. Do you want it?" They get, you know, and he ended up working with that. So this film was just somebody must have probably just to kind of probably Refn probably. He probably had somebody take the reels, put it in some kind of digital thing. So he has a digital copy of it so he can have it. So in case the film does fall apart and then somebody probably took a copy of that from that from that distribution hub center that they that they did it from and threw it on YouTube. Um, the film is, you know, typical kind of melodrama. Um you know, shot in dark black and white, but it's actually well shot. Like it's actually, but the, you know, like I said, the, the, the audio is kind of impossible because I guess the audio file on the, on the, on the reels was kind of damaged in some way. So it's, it's really, it's, 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 you can hear it, but it comes off really bad, but it's, it was, it was okay. You know, it wasn't something that like, I, I know this is much more of an experimental film for him. Because I think it was played at a like a coffee house in the city, like a coffee house theater in the city. So it wasn't something like it was. So maybe it was something he was just testing out and trying to work. Um, and it just it feels like that. It feels like he's just experimenting or just kind of like shooting like stuff to, for like prosperity and put it out there for everyone to see. And maybe it wasn't something that it was officially released like as a like like theatrically. Maybe it was just shown to his friends and something like that. So they have a. A memory of the of the of this production which is odd because if you're gonna that's back in the day where film is not cheap no matter what you do yeah to, to just film something to just be shown to a couple people that's still a major undertaking even if it is just short ends i i, I think we take for granted how easy it is for us now with digital you know mm-hmm. technology to just yeah. be able to film 
without any forethought as to how I was going to develop this, how I was going to edit this, how is it getting put together? Then how is it getting screened? And how is it? I mean, any sort of film is a major undertaking at the time that this was made. So I, I would like what I had seen at least Mm -hmm. reminded me more of night birds than anything else that I had in a weird way. And, it does feel like that. Um, it, but it feels like, you know, like kind of slate 60s counterculture kind of alternative theater where it's much more about like people's feelings and people's, you know, about how the world's going on and stuff like that. And that's kind of how Nightbirds is, too. It's about two young people who are we'll get into it. <laughs> I don't really want to yeah. dig into it. But this films of the seals the same way, but it's not British. It's in America, um, but it's not as like the female character in this film isn't as bloodthirsty as the one in Nightbirds is. You know what I mean? Right. You know, that whole right. thing switches. It feels like two people are kind of lost and kind of trying to find their way through life. Um, but like I said, the most, some of the audio was kind of really hard to listen to. Uh, but it was, it was nice to finally actually get to see it, even if it is a work print. Um, because like, like, I, like I said, it, it didn't feel like it was cut together properly. It felt like there was a scene and then there was a little bit of quietness and then another scene so maybe he didn't have fully have the whole thing together, like with his print. Yeah. Or maybe there's certain things he wanted to, sh- he, sh- he shot that was going to be added into other scenes. Um, but it just felt like a bunch of vignettes, like five or six vignettes over the course of like a, I think it's like a 60 minute, 70 minute movie or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's roughly around that. I'm wondering if maybe, I mean, the idea of a work print means that it is, it's a work in progress. It's right. not a finished film. Maybe, yeah, but- it wasn't. Maybe he hadn't shot the whole thing. Yeah, maybe. But also, all of his films feel like a work print. Oh, this is true. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is very true. It feels like he got, it was the only print they had, and they didn't strike new ones, and he just ran those to death. Um, that's what all his films feel like. But yeah, this it feels a lot more pure than the stuff we're watching now, where it feels like he's cranking them out like a meat grinder. Yeah. It feels like he actually... like he was interested in what he was directing and what he was filming. You know, that's the, that's the problem. Like I would love to see the rest of these films that are missing that are in this, this whole pile. Um, especially the titles are fucking nuts. Um, Some of them sound really fucking awesome. And if they're more shot in this vein of the, you know, the vapors or night birds vein, Mm -hmm. I would love to see those Mm -hmm. because that's what got me all excited to watch compass rose. Cause I started watching. I'm like, Okay, we're into the kind of Milligan I dig, it, yeah. but like like we said, you just can't understand anything that's going on. So I mean, if you have the patience to try and slug through it, hats mm-hmm. off to you. I yep. hope so, uh, like a proper release of it eventually ha- uh, comes out, but I doubt that's going to happen. Yeah, that would be nice. And just a clean, just even it's just just this this work print is just maybe if somebody's able to work on the sound of it, I wouldn't mind it as like a special feature on like a Blu-ray or something like that. Sure, sure. You know, yeah, that would be cool. That's probably the best route we can we can hope for mm-hmm. at some time. So, uh, yeah, we we initially wanted to do this one, but there you go. That's about all we can say about Compass Road. So we're going to take a short break. We're, when we come back, we're going to wrap up this episode and we'll talk about what's coming next from Andy Milligan here on Astro Radio Z. <laughs> Central, right down the mountain. 
Good morning, Eric Stingline here. Hope everyone out there is well. Coming at you with the first episode ever of Squib Central. Uh, it's going to be a new podcast series from me um, as part of the Astral Radio Z show put on by my excellent friend Derek Carey, whom I'm sure all of you know if you're listening to this. Um, and so here we are. It's a fine Saturday morning here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, just figured I'd get this going here. A um, little bit about me before I jump into this, and a little bit about the show, I suppose, and kind of what the intended goals are and so forth, and what, what we're going to be doing here on Squib Central. So, um, as I said, my name is Eric Stenglein. Uh, I am basically just some guy. <laughs> uh, I am a horror fan since childhood. Uh, I saw... Nightmare on Elm Street 2 when I was about nine years old, and uh, it was kind of out of nowhere, and it definitely changed my life and set me on uh, an interesting path uh, that I'm obviously still on now. So, um, and it just kind of, you know, snowballed from there, you know, and I've just sort of went down the rabbit hole, of course, Friday the 13th, and of course, eventually every edgy teenager gets into Faces of Death and all that stuff, and every slasher movie you could think of, I, you know, that I could rent in my crappy little town, I did, and uh, that led to adulthood where, you know, I would say it's more like adulthood in, uh, in quotation marks because uh, I don't think I ever really became the adult that uh, many people would probably have expected uh, to me to be. But nevertheless, um, I collect movies like crazy, and that started when I was uh, a teenager, and I still collect VHS and Beta and Laserdiscs, um, and I have a pretty sizable collection, as Derek mentioned in our uh, other episode, uh, where we talked about the last season. Uh, you may have checked that out uh a couple weeks ago when that was released. Um, other stuff that I do, well, I play music in some bands. I've been playing music for about 20 years now. I play guitar and sing in a band called Northless. I also play drums in a band called Ara. Uh, and I also have uh, a solo project, which is basically a solo death metal band called Cyrictus. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do some plugging here, but I just released the debut album from Cyrictus. Uh, the full length is called Anticosmia. It came out the other day, um, the other day being February 26, 2019. Uh, it's available on Bandcamp and at all the usual places that you're going to find music. Um, it was mostly self-released, but a label called Night Rhythms, excuse me, out of Austin, uh, was gracious enough to release this on cassette. It hasn't been uh, formally released yet. It's still kind of in the pre-order stage, but you can order it now from me, and I assure you that you will get a copy sent to you once I have those in hand on the label as well. Um, yeah, what can I say? I do have a day job, obviously. This isn't you know what I do normally. I, I don't really like to talk about my day job. Let's just say I work in the social service industry, and uh, it's fine. I've been doing it for 15 years, so that's what I do. And so horror movies and, you know, really movies in general more so, and action movies and, um, you know, music are basically my release. So um, one other quick thing about me before we jump into something else here, I... Uh, this is my first podcast experience. I've never really done, you know, much podcasting. I've guested on a few when I've been interviewed for my bands. And then Derek and I did that podcast, you know, where we talked about the last season. And that was really the first, um, 
you know, time I'd ever really done a full-length podcast and been on something like that, um, where it was actually something uh, somewhat of my own content and not just like an interview. So so this is new to me, um, so I'm getting used to this. So anyways, the big question, why, why now? Why Squib Central? What is Squib Central? Well, Squib Central is going to be basically where I talk about action movies and not just action movies, I guess, but different, you know, sub genres of the action, you know, uh, movie genre itself, you know, cause there's, there's so many different, uh, sub genres in action. There's revenge movies, there's survival, sci-fi action, you know, post-apocalyptic movies, martial arts, um, exploitation, which, you know, we'll get into a lot of that, uh, discussion soon. Um, and you know, so it's, you know, there's ubiquitous films that everybody talks about from that genre, but uh, I think, and those genres, but I think that uh, there's a lot of films that haven't been covered. And the partial reason for that, I think, is because they're rare and they're hard to get movies. You're not seeing or hearing about some of these films regularly because a lot of them didn't even make it, you know, um, out of the home video market. They didn't make it on, you know, onto DVD or, you know, let alone Blu-ray. A lot of them are trapped on VHS and the ones that aren't trapped on VHS, you know, if you look on Amazon for some of these flicks, you're still paying 10, 20, 30, $40 for DVDs. And they're, and they're rare in some cases, you know, of movies we're talking about. So it, it, it gets harder to see these things. You know, you can, you could steal them online. You can go on YouTube. You could do all that stuff. But, you know, I am a physical media proponent. I own physical media. I collect physical media. And I think that's always going to be true to some extent. So anytime that I can own a physical piece you know, of media and actually have a, a physical copy of the movie that I love and, or at least want to see, um, you know, that's important to me. And so, I, and so basically I like to talk about those and I like to talk about movies a lot with my friends. I reference movies all the time in my daily life. I make jokes about movies all the time. So it's, um, you know, something I'm really into. So nevertheless, you know, Derek asked me very graciously to be a part of uh, Astral Radio Z by being a contributor, and I'm going to do my best to do that. So uh, you're going to be hearing a lot, a lot more action flicks and you know subgenre action flicks, and maybe some other stuff will sneak in that's um, somewhat related, somewhat not. Uh, so yeah, keep your keep your eyes and ears posted because we'll be doing this uh, more often, um, and certainly. If you are, you know, connected to the Facebook group or have some other way of, of reaching Derek or I, and if you have a recommendation for a film that you'd like me to review or talk about or something that you think that I should be, you know, checking out or interested in, or if you just have recommendations for the show itself and how you think it should run maybe better or differently, you know, I'm open to hearing feedback on that. As I said, this is my first, you know, podcasting experience, so I'm not a master, I'm not uh, seasons, so I'm just doing this kind of by the seat of my pants. So, anyways, the first flick that I wanted to talk about um, is is something that you know it's hard. To, it was hard to to pick a first film um, of this because you know action movies. I would say I actually at this point in my life enjoy action movies and quote unquote so bad they're good action movies more than I even do horror movies or you know sci-fi or any of that stuff and I'm not really sure when that changed when I was younger I could not get enough horror movies but I still loved action but it was secondary to horror and I think probably about I don't know within the last five six seven years it's it's kind of switched I think I more I watch more action movies on average I even watch newer action movies as much as I can whereas with horror to be perfectly honest, I don't watch a whole lot of new horror movies. Uh, you know, most of it is just remake stuff that I'm not interested in, or it's, you know, it's something that I've seen a million times in, 
another form, you know, done, you know, done back when and done better, in my opinion. So I'm not an elitist about that sort of thing. Everybody has their own interests, but uh, newer horror just hasn't really grabbed me as much. So I tend towards the action movies. And even though that stuff's always been done a million times over, for some reason, I just can't get enough of it. So I tend to tend to watch a lot of that. And I, and I you know, go back largely to the older stuff because that's of interest to me. So, um, basically, the first the first flick I chose is a movie called Trapper County War, uh, and it's not a hugely rare movie, but it's not one that I've heard about until recently um, when my friends started talking about it. Um, I would say genre wise, it, it's definitely an action flick, but I would say it falls somewhere between like a survival action. A revenge flick and a exploitation exploitation flick, um, and you know basically it's it's the same archetype you've heard you know numerous times over before. It's you know people end up in a place they're not supposed to be with dangerous enemies that they don't really understand, you know, and basically like a foreign place, and they have to fight to survive and escape. Um, and you know you've 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 seen this going all the way back to you know at, at least Deliverance. I mean, Deliverance is pretty much the first example of of this type of movie, and I think every movie since then has followed in its footsteps and sort of capitalized on different elements of that film. You know, some have become more bloody and more violent. Some of them have become more dramatic. Uh, you know, some of them have really just tried to push the boundaries, and others have just kind of you know fallen to the wayside. But just kind of taken on almost a, a ripoff of, of Deliverance in a way, maybe just changed a few elements. But this flick, I would say, is very much in that tradition. But I really, I just want to say, I really enjoyed this movie. And, uh, you know, and I'll talk more about that now. So um, this movie stars some people you've definitely heard of. Um, so Bo Hopkins is in it. He was in uh, Nightmare at Noon. Uh, and Mutant with Wings Hauser, which is amazing, and the Slasher Sweet 16. We also have Ernie Hudson, who you, I'm sure you know from the Ghostbusters series. He was also in Leviathan, uh, and a movie called The Wrong Guys with uh, Louis Anderson. That's hilarious if you haven't seen it. And uh, Best of the Best Four. Uh, Don Swayze, who of course is Patrick Swayze's brother, is also in this film. He's also in some other great movies called Death Ring. Edge of Honor, uh, which has uh, Corey Feldman in, in it, if I remember correctly, uh, Payback, and Digital Man, which is a hilarious 90s flick, and then Betsy Russell, uh, who was an Avenging Angel. She was also in Cheerleader Camp, uh, the movie Out of Control, and the movie Camp Fear from 1991, which uh, is one I actually just learned about uh, pretty much a few days ago when I was uh, preparing for this episode, and I, you know, I'm wondering if Camp Fear... I might go under a different name because I feel like I should have seen that one by now. But anyways, enough about that. Also, Rob Estes, um, who is in the Graydon Clark film Uninvited. He was also in uh, Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge with Polly Shore. And he was on some daytime TV soap operas back in the 1980s and I think early 90s. Um, so this movie, basically, I'll get into the film here, basically starts off with you got these two 20-something shithead guys from Hoboken, New Jersey. And the it starts off with a montage, so you know it's going to be good. It starts off with a happy, fun time montage. They're driving through the mountains, basically in the backwoods. Uh, you know, it looks like West Virginia, maybe like rural Tennessee, um, you know, somewhere in that area. Uh, it looks very West Virginian to me, maybe even like, you know, Southwest uh, uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, you know, kind of territory, but uh, they're driving through there. The montages of them having a bunch of fun. Um, they're on their way to California. They're musicians. Uh, and so they end up in this town 
And pretty much when you see the town, it looks to me exactly like a West Virginian town. So they stop and ask directions because they're lost. And of course, you know, guy there is unfriendly. Um, and they end up in uh, another town called Ludiger. Uh, and that's important. So the, the name of the town is Ludiger. Um, and they stop at some diner there and they meet some girl named Lacey. Uh, and Lacey is like their waitress there, basically. And they, you know, pretty much, you know, talk with her and hit on her. And uh, by they, I mean these two guys. One of them is named Ryan, um, who is played by uh, Rob Estes. And the other one is named Bobby. So Ryan and Bobby and Lacey are all sitting down talking. And basically, Lacey tells them there's a dance in town that night, which, you know, automatically just sounds terrible to me. But um, nevertheless, uh, Ryan basically says, hey, that sounds fun. You know, let's go to this dance with, you know, with you. And Lacey is obviously very apprehensive because she has some kind of dark secret. And we are going to find out what that is soon enough. But uh, and Bobby, who seems to be the more level headed of the two, says, hey, uh, Hey, you know, Ryan, I don't think that's a good idea. We don't know this town. We don't know these people, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, but of course, Ryan seems pretty cocky and headstrong and head sure. And so he says, now, nah, fuck it, this is going to happen. So basically, because he wants to, to nail this Lacey chick. So uh, and then they walk out of this diner uh, with the plans to meet up with Lacey later. And they meet up with Don Swayze, who plays a character named Walt Ludiger. And remember, I said the name of the town is Ludiger. That's important. So. Walt uh, is basically searching their car and uh, it's you know, pretty much illegal at that point. And so they have a confrontation, uh, Ryan and Bobby and Walt. And basically, you know, Walt, you know, tells them to get out of town. You know, he says, you're, you're from out of state. I don't know you people. You know, Ryan says they're just passing through. But, you know, they're not scared of, of Walt. And, and so, you know, but they decide uh, not to leave town, which I think is incredibly stupid. But nevertheless, I'm not them. Then you get introduced in the next scene to... Um, the one of the cops who I think might be the sheriff actually named Sam, uh, who's played by Bo Hopkins. And we automatically learn that Sam is kind of getting towards retirement age. He doesn't, you know, want to stay in the town of Ludiger and he hates the Ludigers. He hates the entire family. The Ludigers run everything in this town. Uh, that's what you first notice when you walk into town, the bank is named after the Ludigers and, um, you know, other businesses there are named after the Ludigers. So it's, it's really absurd. So, um, Basically, they end up going to this townie dance and, you know, Walt is hitting on Lacey, which is you know, really gross because essentially at this point you don't know, you know, what their relationship is, but you get the impression they're related somehow. And uh, Ryan steps in and um, basically tells Walt to fuck off. And, you know, so that's where that goes. And as they're leaving with Lacey, they basically say, hey, Lacey, let's get out of here. You know, me, you and Bobby. Uh, they get uh, essentially jumped by Walt and three of his goons outside. And, of course, somehow Ryan is like an incredible karate badass uh, or jujitsu badass, as they called him. And he beats the living fuck out of Walt and uh, three of his friends. And so that's the end of that encounter. So basically they leave with Lacey and Lacey tells them, hey, you know, I uh, essentially got separated from my family. I think she might have mentioned she was orphaned. I can't remember that. But her and her brother um, live with these uh, live with Walt and they live with his parents who are the Ludigers. So basically Lacey lives with the Ludiger family along with her own biological brother. And, um, she reveals that, you know, Walt is really creepy and has tried to rape her before and that uh, Mother Ludiger has tried to rape her before, too. So basically, Ryan says, fuck this, we're getting you out of here. Um, so Ryan, um, 
you know, goes back, to, you know, takes her back to her house. You know, she agrees to go with them to California, which is, you know, pretty spontaneous. So Ryan takes her back to her house to get some things packed up. Uh, of course, she has an encounter with um, her brother and family there, but they, she manages to get her things packed up and leaves with um, Ryan and Bobby. But unfortunately, it turns out the only way out of town is to go back through the town of Ludiger. And that really ends up being a shitty scenario because when they go back through the town, they actually run into a roadblock. And I assume it's, you know, I, I was actually confused by this, why there's this roadblock, but I think it might've been like, you know, sometimes in the South or in Southern states, they have these sober roadblocks where they basically just like, you know, they basically, you know, pull you over and check you out at, at any given off ramp and they see if you're sober or, or if there's any suspicious activity going on. And personally, I was, you know, I was in one of those, um, you know, one of those sober checks once. And I was like, what the fuck's going on? But nevertheless, um, they try to get past Walt. Walt sees Lacey in their car. He takes chase and he arrests the two of them. He basically catches up to him and arrests him. Sam, you know, Bo Hopkins shows up and says, well, what the fuck, you know, what are you going to do with these guys? And, you know, uh, actually, um, you know, they, they come and then the backup comes, they take Ryan and Bobby off. And then it ends up in a situation where Walt is alone with Lacey in the car. And Walt takes this as his, as his moment to try to rape Lacey. And thankfully Bo Hopkins is still there and stops it. So you can tell that, you know, you can tell right away, you know, uh, Sam does not like uh, the Hudigers and I can understand why. So then they end up taking Lacey, you know, back home and she ends up getting boarded up in her room by her mom and her, her dad, um, and um, so it, you know, ends up being kind of ends up being kind of tense because especially since you know mom is nuts. I mean, you get the impression right away mom's yelling, screaming, going crazy, as is uh, as his dad Ludiger. So um, so they're in jail. Uh, Ryan and Bobby they have no phone call, no food, no nothing. Uh, but then it ends up they get turned loose, and what that really ends up being is that Walt shows up and takes them out in the middle of nowhere, and then of course mom and dad Ludiger show up along with Lacey's brother, whose name is Elmore. Um, and mom is psycho. She tells Ryan, you know, she's not a dumb hick. Um, and you know, she's going to teach them a lesson and basically tells Ryan, she's going to like cripple him. So as you know, as Ryan's like sort of being held by Walt and by, um, I think the dad basically, uh, mom comes at Ryan with a sledgehammer and, uh, Ryan kind of pushes basically Elmore, who's also there, Elmore, the brother kind of towards mom and mom ends up hitting him in the head with a sledgehammer and killing him. Um, so, uh, and then, so Bobby and Ryan run off and m mom ends up pulling on a gun and shooting at both of them and killing Bobby. So just Ryan gets away and it's, it's a really, really tense scene. It's insane. I mean, it's, it just plays out so quickly. It's, it's bizarre. So, um, nevertheless, um, you know, at this point now it's, you know, mom and, and Walt and dad, you know, try to convince Sam, you know, the sheriff that, uh, Ryan killed Elmore. And, uh, so now there's a chase after Ryan. He's, you know, Ryan's out in the wilderness and basically he's, you know, he's not able to get out of town because he's in the middle of this huge County is, you know, this Ludiger town is, is pretty big. And, you know, for him to get anywhere, he needs a vehicle. Um, there's a couple scenes in the movie where he tries to get a vehicle and it doesn't work out because everybody in town pretty much is behind these Ludiger people, or at least a large significant group of them. So while he's out in the wilderness trying to survive for this period of time, Ryan ends up meeting, uh, Ernie Hudson, uh, whose name is Jefferson. And they actually get, a, they actually get into a fight, a fist fight at first. Uh, and it's pretty saying because you get to see Ernie Hudson do some really badass karate. He's actually really awesome. And so him and uh, him and Ryan go toe to toe and it's a really, really well 
choreographed insane fight scene. So nevertheless, Jefferson says, you know, he hates the Ludicrous too, but he ain't going to help Ryan, tells him to go away. Um, eventually, there's a search team is sent out with Ryan and, um, I'm sorry, for after Ryan, with uh, Mom and Dad Ludiger and Walt as well, and then a bunch of other uh, people. And so they're trying to get him in the woods and... You know, there's a scene where uh, where he's, you know, Ryan's caught up in a shack and these dogs try to come after him and Ryan shoots at him and kills both of them. And, and you know, they're basically just trying to get Ryan, but he manages to get away. He actually has to jump off a cliff at one point and manages to survive. So largely, uh, you know, a lot of this film ends up being Ryan kind of trying to survive in the wilderness and trying to escape Trapper County and escape the Ludigers. Um, and so uh, at some point he meets up with Jefferson again and Basically, Jefferson takes pity on him because he's like, you know, Ryan's almost dying in the woods here. You know, he needs food. So Jefferson feeds him and Ryan manages to convince Jefferson, hey, you should go after these Ludigers because Jefferson tells him that the Ludigers uh, parents actually owned uh, Jefferson's parents as slaves. So it's another huge, crazy connection. So another, and another reason to hate this, these Ludiger people because they're fucking nuts and they're obviously bigots and savages. So uh, Jefferson agrees to go toe-to-toe with the Ludigers and finally take them out and to help Ryan, um, you know, help Ryan at this point to get lacy because that's, that's really what the focal point is here at this point. Ryan still wants to leave town, go to California, and he wants to take Lacey with him. So, of course, Jefferson, uh, as in all movie traditions, has a humongous, humongous horde of weapons under his shack, his literal shack. It's in the middle of nowhere. He, like, opens up the floor and there's, like, you know, uh, C4 and, like, uh, you know, uh, fragmentation mines. And he's got, like, a couple bazookas and some fucking AK-47s or probably not actually not AKs. They're, they're M16s. But, you know, it's insane. So um, and, you know, so basically they end up. Uh, you know, the, the search team that was looking for Ryan ends up coming to, to Jefferson's cabin and, um, they knew that they were coming. Basically, they knew that this was going to end up happening. And so basically when, when Walt comes, Jefferson is ready as, as is Ryan. And, you know, they basically get the drop on Walt and they don't kill him or anything, but they say, you're going to go back to your family and you're going to, you're going to, you know, tell them that, uh, you know, they want Lacey back. And so of course this ends up, um, you know, with the group being called out, the search group uh, being called out at, at night and with Sam, you know, Bo Hopkins out there. And he's like, he's like, I don't like this. I don't like that you're going after these people. You're just going to you're just going to kill Ryan. You're just going to kill Jefferson. And, and, you know, the Ludigers, mom and dad, Ludigers and Walt say, fuck off. We're going to do what we do. So uh, this ends up pretty much turning into all out war. Um, they they end up having a confrontation out in the middle of the woods where. Uh, the Ludigers show up with Lacey and then they encounter Sam and Jefferson and it ends up being, uh, I'm sorry, they end up encountering Ryan and Jefferson uh, and uh, Sam is also there. And basically, you know, they're about to start fighting these two big groups, but Sam says, you know, fuck this, I'm not with you guys. And um, he, you know, tells the Ludigers off and then they decide to go after him as well. So Sam ends up on the side of Ryan and Jefferson. Um, and, you know, this whole time Lacey's tied up to a tree and she's watching these groups fight. And it's it's really insane because basically, you know, Jefferson was a Marine. He was in Vietnam, uh, which I don't think I mentioned before. But so he, he basically uses these like insane uh, tactics on the uh, 
and the Ludigers and with all the weaponry that I mentioned, and you know, it's just a fucking bloodbath, and it's it's really good. I mean, it's not a super long action scene, but it's good. It's 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 very well done, and um, it's pretty violent and grisly. Uh, and you know, it ends up they end up killing. Uh, they end up killing Dad Ludiger uh, during the battle, so Mom Ludiger goes insane, um, and uh, it's a really, really good scene. I don't want to ruin that for you. I don't want to ruin the ending for you. You should, you should see this movie. So, nevertheless, um, yeah, it's it's really, really good. It's it, it follows that same. You know, it follows that same archetype that a lot of other flicks I mentioned already. Well, you know, Deliverance, of course. Um, but then, you know, it reminded me a lot of these two movies uh, from the 80s that are almost similar in a way that, that um, you know, have almost the same sort of story. But uh, that's the movie Bullies, uh, which has Olivia Diabo in it. And uh, the movie New Kids, um, who has... Uh, Uncle Jesse's girlfriend from Full House, whose name I cannot remember uh, at this moment. I'm sorry, but but so the bullies and new kids. If you like those movies, you're gonna like Trapper County War, um, and it's it's just really 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 fun, really really you know pretty brutal in some spots, and it's just a really really well done flick. I, I very much enjoyed it, and I would definitely I would give it eight out of ten squibs. <laughs> um, absolutely, I think it's worth your viewing time if you like the genre. If you're looking for something else. Um, you know, that you haven't already seen a hundred times, you know, this is one of those movies that I could almost, you know, see putting on, you know, um, multiple times and really enjoying. So, um, and like I said, if you like the bullies, uh, if you like new kids, uh, if you like, um, quite cool with James Remar, I think this is going to be a, a movie that you're going to be into. So, um, so that's that Trapper County war. Very fun. Very interesting flick. Um, very fun revenge exploitation kind of movie. Lots of hillbillies. Um, lots of backwoods scenery, uh, might be West Virginia or something. I'm not really sure. So that's that. Here's my first podcast episode. Um, if you have any suggestions, like I said, or, um, anything you want to mention, give, you know, any shout outs you want me to make on the show, um, you know, please get in touch with Derek or, uh, get in touch with me through the Facebook and, and I'll definitely do what I can. Uh, I want to, Make sure I cover as much ground as I can with this podcast because there's a lot of movies out there that need to be seen. Um, so, um, yeah, thanks again for tuning in. And, uh, you know, make sure you continue to support Derek and Astral Radio Z. It is absolutely worth your time. Thanks again. Have a good one. See you soon.
So, boys, episode three coming up. Looks like we're going to be doing a triple feature. Triple. Why a triple feature? Because holy fuck, we need to get through these movies. We need to get through them quickly. I don't want to sit and drag out this section of, of our journey any more than I need to. And why am I saying that, folks? It's because we're going to be watching Bloodthirsty Butchers, Guru the Mad Monk, and... The rats are coming. Wait, 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 wait. are here. Back up, back up. Hold on. The body mm. beneath is before that. No, well, we decided. Who's we? Remember, we. I wasn't even we, here. I, I posted this to the group. You were all there. And I'm looking at the chat right now, and there's a big blue thumbs up from you, Vaughn. A big blue thumbs up from you on this. <laughs> so I'm going to speak for you right now, motherfucker. Wait, what was it, like six months ago? What was <laughs> February 5th, 2019 at 1.29 p.m. <laughs> oh, I was probably drunk. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been a rough day for you at work. <laughs> but anyways, we're going to be talking about these three movies uh, next episode. Then after that, Vaughn will talk about The Body Beneath and Blood. So uh, I felt these three movies fit together much better than tossing the body beneath which is an infinitely better movie than any of the three movies we're going to talk about on the next episode so folks look forward to that whenever we get around to it yes it took a little while for us to get this episode going because just a lot of stuff happened life happens and astro radio z's gotta you know weave its way around life so uh boys thanks for coming on again and doing this thank you evan for watching this movie multiple these movies multiple times no because you right off the bat you as soon as we got done with the first episode you dove head first into these motherfuckers and boy you were not happy in the chat <laughs> yeah i want to watch these next three nearer when we're going to record <laughs> and who knows when that's going to be maybe i'll just set up a fake time so i'll make you watch these movies <laughs> No, I'm not no it's it's not it's not I've already watched these enough times because Vaughn and I have already talked about one of these movies at least on his podcast yeah I can't wait to talk about it again yeah <laughs> so listeners if you can't wait go over to motion picture massacre and download the episode where Vaughn and I talk about the weirdo and the rats are coming the werewolves are here we've already done that episode maybe I'll just cut those into these episodes <laughs> No, I need to hear Evan. have to fucking do it again. It'll just be me. I need to hear Evan's talk. I need to hear Evan's thoughts about the rats are coming. The world is here. <laughs> Possibly the best title for the worst movie ever. No, actually, I love that movie. So it's, uh, boy, uh, I was going to say you had a complete face turn on this. No, I, I really like I can't wait to watch it again. Like two or three more times because it's going to take us like five months to get this freaking recording done. Yeah, well, you might have to be boys. You may even call in the the call the call in the towel after watching Guru the Mad Monk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm excited to see where this goes. So, uh, this is the portion of the show where my guests shamelessly shill the fuck out of you. I know Evan, you never have anything to shill. Or you have any parting words for the listeners of Astro Radio Z? No. <laughs> All right. 
Evan says, fuck y'all. So let's move <laughs> on to uh, Vaughn. Chill your ass off, bud. All right, hold on. I'm, I'm trying to figure out if this is the right. Uh, oh, never mind. Fuck it. Uh, podcastmaniafun.com is the podcast I'm a part with. Uh, well, if the Canadian health system had a better way, of, you know, you don't have to wait in lines all the time, we'd be doing more podcasts. Um, currently, I'm waiting for our, our head muckety muck Charlie to get through a horrible ear infection. Um, don't ask. Uh, Gross. But, we take we tackle cult and horror films and other weirdness in there. It's a cavalcade of uh, people all over the web. Um, I also do a single person podcast with myself only. I occasionally get my points across on films. Um, it's called Motion Picture Massacre. Uh, Motion Picture Motion Picture Massacre. Dot WordPress. Dot com. That is also a cult and horror podcast. Um, if you like any of that bullshit, you like to hear me again talk, check out both those podcasts. And I'm done. All right. Well, listeners, thanks for tuning in. And uh, whenever we come back with another Andy Milligan episode, I just want to say beforehand, I'm sorry. Find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, and anywhere that podcasts are found. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and email us questions, concerns, or just general chatter at astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com. You want to hear more than just the regular show? Go over to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash all the gimmicks and get not only bonus episodes of Astro Radio Z, but other podcasts like All the Gimmicks and the podcast at Orgy Castle, all for the low price of $1 a month. Coming for me, Derek Carey. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time, Astro Zombies.
same.